One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Connecting to the big show. Center Watercourse Road Blackpool for sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. The Furniture Center.ie. Ah, the fattest finger first hits the button. Good morning to you, Tuesday. No, I was just looking idly out the window at the gorgeous morning that is there. And I saw something as I drove over Patrick's Bridge this morning on my way up to Broadcasting House. It was a few minutes after seven. I was a couple of minutes late this morning because I had to defrost the window. And I was coming up and I could just see, I could just see out towards Cork Harbour, I could see the little first splinks of early morning light. And I looked at my clock at my car and it was 20 past seven and I thought, yep. In a few weeks now, the mornings will be bright again. And I just had a big smile on my face coming over Patrick's Bridge. I love it. And it's a beautiful morning out there. I don't know what the weather's going to be like for the rest of the week, but we take today as it comes. There's an old saying, you know, that good things come to those who are prepared to wait. Hiya, Bambi. Good morning. Good morning. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Did you have any anticipation of, and I, I said it here yesterday, I was, I'm part of a big WhatsApp Eurovision group and we were watching this and there was so much love in the studio for you Friday oh, so night. so much. How did it feel? So much. Um, I, uh, I'm still, ex- I don't know if I've actually come back down 
uh, to earth or if anything's really sunk in. Still, I'm drying. <laughs> um, it was gorgeous. It was so I didn't expect there to be that much love for me in the studio. I didn't expect there to be that much love for me from my country. I was I, I was completely in shock. Actually, I think I was completely in shock. <laughs> Um, in beautiful shock, in beautiful shock. Because we had talked to you and I about how the audience would respond to Doomsday Blue, and we'd laughed a bit about it. Yeah. We, we kind of said, they're going to sit there and go, what is that? Yeah. But they went ballistic. Yeah, they were crazy. I mean, I loved them. Continue shouting within the witch forever. I love that. Um, I Yeah, I there were signs inside there and everything. Um <laughs> It was just all around, um, all around support. Obviously, I'm getting hate, but at the same time, I'm getting way more love. So it's gorgeous. Let's focus on that for a second, if we can. Yeah. Because I watched it, and having spoken with you at length before the the contest the other night, and and having said here to my listeners that I found you and your personality and everything to do with you instantly likable, and and I thought. Mm. There was some horrible, horrible stuff being said. And I answered one or two of them. And I said, sit and talk to Bambi like I've done. And yeah. he'll change your tune. You responded, though, beautifully. What did you say to the people who were hating on you? I basically just sent them love because I I think that um, our community, especially um, like trans and non-binary people, really irks people who... Um, I guess are uh, they're not free themselves, you know? Like they're, I don't know. Do we stir something up in them? How like how dare we live so authentically and then so consciously? That's what it is in them that they're actually just not living authentically or or remembering the art of play or you know like taking things way too seriously. Also, like I'm 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 making music. Like I'm not a, a satanist, like they're saying. <laughs> I know the whole send the witch thing. It's so funny. It's so fun. And the costume and the dance. Like you could see the inner ballerina coming out there. Like with the yeah. dance moves. Yeah, it was um oh, gosh, I was still overwhelmed by it to be honest. I <laughs> um Yeah, I'm speechless a bit. You are a bit, um, aren't you? You are uh, a bit. Yeah. I read yesterday that you went off and had a cup of tea and a pizza after yeah. stopping off. And I thought that I, I saw the video from the Odeon. Yeah. Like, it was like it wasn't like you'd arrived on the scene that weekend. It was like no, they were queuing and everything for photos. It was mental. <laughs> and the, the performance, <laughs> and there was people up on the stools and up on the bar. Like, they, maybe this is a Eurovision song. We don't do this for Eurovision song. <laughs> now you do. Now you do. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, is it now the hard work actually starts? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I just got sent. Um, I got sent a layout of the stage. I haven't actually opened my my emails yet. I'm, today is kind of the day I'm going to try and get to like figure things out because I think the last few days I've just been I I've just been so overwhelmed that I've had to like take naps when I'm when my brain is um, having too much. I don't know. My phone has been going crazy. My socials are going mental. So I've been taking some time to just like do more meditation. But um, yeah, now I have to like rethink the whole 
um, staging, which is great, like elevate the staging. Um, I need to do more vocal lessons. I need to get on my going to getting really fit again. Mm. So I'm just going to, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to fly, I feel. Um, I just got to put my blinkers on. Will you be able to do your own production of your stage of your stage performance to the extent that you'd like to, do you think? Well, I need to figure out what we're allowed to do. And, and like, because I've seen, like, there are some acts that you see in Eurovision some years where they have set on stage and things. Mm. Um, I don't know what the whole setup is now because, like, it's a very digital stage. But, yeah. I mean, with whatever we're, we have, I mean... It's going to be bigger production than we had on the late date, obviously. Well, if you look back to um, last year, like you could that that particular um, stage last year, you could do anything with it. You could turn it into anything. Yeah, yeah. I've got some big ideas, and I, I just hope that we can. No, I'm going to achieve them. I don't care. I'm going to make sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I've just. Yeah, we just have to plan. I mean, me and my my whole. Um, group that were down with me and doing all my um, creative with me. We have a WhatsApp group and it's kind of going 90 at the moment because we're just like firing in reference pictures of things or um, ideas like it's non-stop. Mm -hmm. Is this something you ever imagined when you were performing in the school musical in the Bridery Gap in McCroom? (laughs) Um, I always wanted to have this type of thing happened but I think I don't think anyone could have prepared me for what the last few days has been like just at how quick everything has moved even just like even just on my socials like Mm. I've gone up like 10k in the three days I don't understand um and but you know what I like I I think somewhere in me, I always knew something like this. Like, I always knew that a break would come. Mm. And I think this is it. And I think, like, I am, I think I am ready to, to push and to continue and, and to just, I'm ready for my art to be seen by the world. And I'm really excited. And, yeah. I'm so and you've every right to be. And looking into <laughs> the, I, I had no idea who you were a month ago, and I hope you won't take any offence to me saying that. I don't at all. But, Nobody but, in Ireland did. <laughs> but, but looking at your 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 socials and looking at your Spotify collection, and you are I'm following your TikTok, and you are or you have been writing, and it's a most unusual thing, and I encourage people to go and do it. You have been writing another song and doing stage by stage, almost sentence by sentence, the song about the children. Bambi, it is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, yeah, it's, a I, whole, it's, it's an insight into the art of creating a song. I haven't seen anyone yeah. do it in a while. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I write every day. Yeah. I have like a, I think I might have like a writing disorder where I must write all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's the only way I get I can understand the world around me, and it's the only way I can understand my own brain. And we'll, we'll um, keep going with that song because it's because it's yeah. beautiful. Do you get back to oh, too much? Um, no. So my family live in in Cork City now, but I have a lovely um, I have a lovely two lovely ladies I have to visit actually. Um. One called Kathleen, who basically um, raised me when my little sister wasn't well as a kid, um, and uh, my um, 
my best friend Dara Buckley is still down there um, so I must go back and visit them and their family mm-hmm. uh, and yeah it'd be nice to go to McCroom I mean I went down when we filmed the um, the Gira scene but we didn't go into the town we were outside of it because the yeah. Gira is just outside McCroom for the postcards um, but yeah, well, what you'll be delighted to know was that yesterday morning as we were talking about the contest and get the reaction, because mm-hmm. I knew I'd be talking to you today, the love coming down our platforms for you is yeah. huge, huge. I love that. You know, and the people are very, very, like, like I said, a month ago, they had no idea who you are. <laughs> now you're one of ours, Bambi. <laughs> and we're proud of you. We're proud Thank of you. Thank you so much. You know, Thank you so much. I, I would love that at some stage when you are back in Cork, before you head to Malmo, I'd love you to sit in studio and we'll we'll we'll, we'll chat like like two Corkonians, eh? I yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. Well, listen, you go and I, you're clearly still exhausted from the weekend. <laughs> What's the plan <laughs> today? Are you resting? Have you seen your mom I, since Friday? Yeah, my, I have. I have. I have. My mom actually stayed up in, in Dublin. She was going to Chanice Ian or something, mm-hmm. and she was getting loads of attention, of course. <laughs> and um, yeah, I saw her last night. Now she's gone to uni, um, so it's just me, which is good. Actually, I need a little bit of just time to myself okay. um, for the day. But I have calls and things, and I don't actually know. <laughs> yeah, are you going to be? Ha- I mean, are you going to go back to London, or are you going to hang around Ireland now for the next while? I mean, it's what? It's I don't know how many days it is. I must put it in to Eurovision. You'll get the draw this week for what the rehearsals are. We'll get that. I think there were draws today. I think is it today for the? For, we don't know whether yeah. it'll be the first or second semi. I think we find that out today. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will be going back to London at some point, but um, I'm. I mean, I'm, I only go for go back now at the moment for like a week or so like depending on what we're doing like um i think my creative um director um storm st Clair might be coming over to me i mean like my 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 group were kind of like should we just just they all just come and live in ireland for a little bit and i was like maybe guys yeah. because like i i don't really live anywhere i like i just stay with my friends when i'm in london or i'm at home at my mom's um so it depends on it depends on what we need to do. I mean, like, I'll probably need to do some photo shoots and things, and I guess most of my, like, cool flows will be sourced maybe over there. Yeah. So I might have to go back for a week just to do some bits. I think I'll be back and forth, but, like, I'm going to be in Ireland. Like, all my stuff is kind of here at the moment. So. You probably have a lot of work over there now, Bambi, that you need to put on some kind of hold for a while. Um... Not really, to be no. honest, because I I was I at the start before your song, um I was saying I was taking a few months just to be in Ireland anyway, so I kind of didn't really um didn't really put anything in my diary. But I probably will have things be coming in actually. But it's saying yes and no to things, I guess. Mm. But it's sifting through everything now because it's just You'll have to it's like pop a labyrinth back. inside any of my devices. <laughs> You'll have to pop back to Stefan Nefer, for example, and say hello to them. I know, I will. I actually, my mom was contacted by my secondary school as well. Um, so we'll have to do a lot of, a lot of, a lot of that. <laughs> 
Well, we're so this is this is a journey that I suppose it didn't start Friday night really with you. It started a long time back. But, but for all of us who've now just joined Team Bambi, it has started yeah. for all of us. And I say this as someone I attended my first Eurovision Song Contest, Bambi, in Mill Street in 1993. I was there the night Neve won. I was actually at her after mm. party. I gate crashed it. And myself and my friend, who you met, by the way, you met Ken on Friday night. Myself and my, myself oh, and, yeah. and Ken Gate crashed Neve's after party after the Eurovision Song Contest. And I will tell you this much straight out, and I'll eat my hat if I'm not right here. You're our hottest prospect in 20 years. I'm saying that now, not quite to your face because you're down the end of a line, but you're <laughs> our ho- I think you're our hottest prospect to do well for us in 20 years. Thank you. All right, so you go and enjoy everything and let us see each other here in this studio at some stage before Malmo. Is that a promise? That's a promise. All right, we'll talk soon. Good luck, Bambi. Take care. Wonderful talking to you. Mind yourself. Thank you. This is in my head all weekend. See you, Bambi. Something magic going on in those three minutes, I tell you now. You're currently on nine out of ten. Uh, your question ten was who wrote the novel American Gods? You said Neil Gaiman. The answer, unfortunately, is Neil Gaiman. Oh, you just won two thousand euros. Oh, my God. There was four repeat questions in there, and Look, so he did well. Here's the listen, girl. Oh my God, we'll be making a promo out of you. The two grand minute with Cork Dental Care. You'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at CorkDentalCare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Money on Cork's ninety six FM. By the way, I didn't ask Bambi about Israel and Eurovision and Gaza and and all those things. Although I did, I know that Bambi did say over the weekend that. Uh, Shared Erica Cody's view that, and many others, many others' view that Israel should be uh, kicked out of Eurovision for 2024. It's probably not going to happen, but it did happen uh, after Russia invaded Ukraine. They were kicked out in 2022, but I don't think it's going to happen at all with Israel in 2024. And you can make of that what you will, but that's just how it is. Uh, Kevin, others are then saying that because Israel won't be kicked out. Well, we shouldn't go. Um, some people believe that, some people don't. Kevin, your thoughts, good morning. I understand where people are coming from. Good morning, PJ, how are you? Hey, mate. It's a beautiful crisp morning up Isn't here, mate. Gorgeous. I tell you, it's gorgeous. I'm looking out over fields that are covered in frost. It's absolutely beautiful up here, man. But, no, going back, I, I understand where people are coming from, but it's very easy to ignore you when you're not there. Yeah. And... Yeah, we'll get the gratification of say of putting the finger up to whoever and say, yeah, we're not going because they're going. Uh, it's the kind of argument you have when you're five in school. You know, my dad's bigger than your dad kind of thing. It's um, it, it's more difficult to ignore you when you're there. Yeah. And if you have something to say, what a platform. It's, got to be, it's one of the most watched events of the year. Mm-hmm. And 
for so and you you guarantee you, you've seen it in the past with groups and singers where they've used symbolism they've used their platform to voice an opinion yeah. on whatever's going on of the day and there's always something you, you are you know, strictly if, forbidden under the rules from doing anything blatant yeah. but there have been many little hints in the past yeah 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 I get your feeling yeah, they have but at, at the end of the day once you've sang your song what, what are they going to do to you yeah. do you know what I mean you've done your best and what are they going to do not count your votes <laughs> you know you 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 have a, you have a unique opportunity to make your opinion or to voice an opinion that's the whole of Europe and the whole of the EBU, which is far outstretching what is the European Union, will hear. <sighs> um, that's all you can do. You, you're not going to change the world, but you can make your point of view known. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same. It's the same argument that comes across with um, people asking for people not to go to the White House. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Kevin, because in the same breath, people are saying now that Leo should not yeah. go on Patrick's Day or that Michal shouldn't go or anybody else shouldn't go. And they're fighting among themselves to be the most virtuous yeah. politician out there. But at the end of the day, <laughs> you know there, but at the end of the day, you think Leo should actually go to the Oval Office? Of course he should. I mean, I, we had the same discussion. I guarantee you, you could press rinse and repeat on the same discussion about Donald Trump. Yeah. And and previous presidents before when America was involved in conflicts all over the world. It doesn't matter when you're outside of the room, you can't say anything. Do you remember the speech that Enda Kenny gave when he was stood at the podium next to the president and he got rave reviews for it mm. because he was there to make it? Yeah. And it's gonna. This could be an election year for Leo, and at the end of the day, he's gonna have a big pulpit to say what he wants to say. And if he says something that's meaningful, then it'll get remembered. Mm. If he brushes it aside, it'll be remembered. Mm. But at the end of the day, you have to be there to make your case. And there's an awful lot of stuff right the way down the line, right the way into the past this, we've disagreed with the, with the United States and with Britain and we've made our voice known. UNRWA is a classic example. It's just a, a, the latest example of a litany of things that we've said that we disagree with. Mm. And, and Michal, 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 Michal Martin, to give him credit, handled that well. He said nothing has been proven yet. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a sledgehammer to crack a walnut. It's, it's collective punishment. That's what it is. And that's become commonplace since October 7th. The collective punishment is the new normal. But it's wrong. And it's not, right, it's not wrong to point that out. Yeah. And you, you'd find, you find very few people would disagree with that. And, until the case, and even if, when a case is proven, you're talking 12 people in an employment of 23,000. You're always going to get wrong-ins. And no matter with the best will in the world, you're always going to get wrong. Fair that point. doesn't mean you punish a population of a million people by st you're on they're on the verge of famine for God's sake, and you're taking away the source of food. It's bad enough that they're being bombed out of their homes and almost exterminated as a people, but to then go and starve them on the, on top of that and say, well, yeah, we're doing our best to make sure civilians don't get harmed. I swear, it's nine o'clock in the morning. I really got to be careful of what I say because I could launch into a rant. <laughs> but I'm respectful of your show and your program. Well, in fairness to I'm Kevin, you, very, you make your points. You, you've always made your points without fear or favour. But come back to the White, the, White the, the Oval Office for a second. People are yeah. arguing and have been arguing for the last few days that the minute Leo plants foot in the Oval Office, he is endorsing America's stand in Gaza. Do you believe that for a second? 
no, because if you if you don't, so what? Do you think the American networks are going to cover this? The Taoiseach of Ireland isn't in the White House on Patrick's Day. No, they won't care. But they will cover if he has something meaningful to say. Mm-hmm. And you'll never, as a Taoiseach of this country, get that platform. And that platform matters. Yeah. Whether people like it or not, whether and it is uncomfortable, I get it. I get the fact that it sticks in your craw. But sometimes you have to do the uncomfortable things and you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. But you have to make, he has to make his case. He can't just go there and be all politician about it mm-hmm. and avoid it and duck it and dive it. Say what you mean. Say what we what the population need him to say. Otherwise, like I said, there's an election around the corner. Yeah. Lastly, come back to Bambi. Um, and, you know, many yeah. people have been saying over the weekend, well, do you know what? God be good to rock and roll kids. But the, I wasn't expecting, and I was very happy to see, the love for Bambi over the weekend. Were you? Not after I listened to her interview with her, with her last week. I'd never heard of her before in my life. My kids have. But I'd never heard of her before until I heard that interview with her, with you. And I thought, what? She's just a nice kid. Yeah. yeah I, I, she's not a kid, but she's just a nice person. And that transmitted. And she comes off with the scary face and the big, like, it's it's kind of, there was a group in the 90s, Bewitched, not Bewitched. Uh, oh, it was two women, two Scottish women, I can't remember. But they, she comes across, she looks it's, it's the classic case of don't judge a book by its cover. Because if you looked at her and didn't hear her, you think goth, metal, yeah. in your face, hate everything, emo, yeah. whatever. She opens her mouth and you're like, wow. And and then, I you tell know, you this much, and as someone who has kind of become something of a student of Eurovision since I attended my first one in 1993, they will be hugely popular with the Eurovision set, absolutely enormously popular right across the Eurovision fan clubs of Europe and beyond. Kevin, thank you. Always good to talk. Yeah, Barbie will be massive. I've I've said this for years. I I recognised it myself when I went to Birmingham uh, after, yeah, a... Was it Love Shine a Light? Yes, Love Shine a Light, Katrina the Waves, won in Dublin in the point. Ran away with it. Ran away with it, they did. Like, they were so far ahead that it wasn't even any point voting. That was Katrina the Waves for the UK. And then went to Birmingham. And ironically, now that we're talking about them, it was Israel who won that night with Dana International. And uh, Dana International, just incredible. I had the pleasure of spending time with Dana International during that week. But again, ostentatious, outrageous. But then I realised Eurovision is a carnival. And it is, it's a queer carnival, actually. Now that we use that word, it's a queer carnival. And it is the biggest queer carnival on the planet. And it is so much fun. 0818-96-96-96. Two other things. And I was reading about this um, dermatologist, uh, plastic surgery, uh, body sculptor, director, one of the top dogs in America... Uh, Spiro Theodoro, who was speaking out over the weekend about dermal fillers, things that you inject into yourself to fill out your face. Very worried about them. This was this top doctor in, in the USA. And then I read in the examiner that three people, in the last seven days alone, three people 
have had to have emergency treatment from expert doctors in Cork and Dublin in just a week after having dermal fillers injected. Two of them had been injected abroad. One of them had been injected in in Dublin. I'm joined by Dr. Patrick Tracy, who's founder of the Aylesbury Clinic. Uh, This, Dr. Tracy, is highly specialised work and it's the kind of thing that cowboys can get stuck in. Are there cowboys in this business? Good morning. Good morning. How are things, PJ? Very good. Well, I, I think we got to look at this logically. We always get a blip after Christmas because a lot of the clinics are closed and as a consequence, the hospitals often don't know how to treat these problems. And so that isn't unusual. In the first third of, and second week of um, January, we tend to get blips. But if we were to look at this once and for all practically, we have three main problems. <clears throat> what problems are being caused? who's causing them and with what, and who is treating them. So we look first just at what problems have been caused. Two big problems with fillers. One is people injecting into arteries, and as a consequence, patients' faces begin to become necrotic or rot away. The second thing is some fillers that have been used cause problems three and four months down the line, particularly some of the more expensive ones that people go in and think they're safe, and they sort of become attacked by the body and they go hard. Who's causing them? It'd be easy for me to say it's all beauticians, but to be fair to beauticians, I know that we've mounted many things with the government that they shouldn't be doing this because they don't know facial anatomy, but I get it across the board. The three that I've seen were all caused by doctors and nurses, none of them beauticians. And who is treating them? And this is an important thing. We were the first clinic in the world to introduce hyaluronidase uh, to reverse the problems of hyaluronic dermal fillers. Can yeah, we talk for a second about that, Dr. Yeah. Tracy? And it's sure. uh, this this substance called hyaluronic acid. And I've read a lot so, about but, but, it. And it's important that I say this as well, yeah. because the patients who go to the hospitals and the hospitals aren't diagnosing them properly what's wrong and reversing them. And by the time we see them, it's three, four days later, and emergency rooms thinking it's some sort of allergy instead of realising that it's a reaction to the filler or that it's in an artery. And, you know, it's 20 years since we introduced hyaluronidase to the aesthetic world, and we still have hospitals in Dublin and Cork that don't even have it in their... That's an antidote to hyaluronic acid, yeah. I made a complaint a long time ago to Tony O'Brien on a public stage regarding this. This is like six, five, six years ago. And still I'm seeing patients that are turning up in hospitals. And by the time we see them three days later, their faces have rotted away. You know, and they're giving them things like steroids and antibiotics where they should be injecting hyaluronidase. It's not hard to get. Beauticians can get it from Spain. Surely to God, the HSE can get it. That's an interesting one now. Patrick, as you as you say, because I was well, the hyaluronic acid is is one of the most commonly used injections, and it's used in all these these fillers and oh, all around the world. Yeah, yes. and I wasn't aware. For example, I wasn't yes. aware, and I've covered this story more than once. I wasn't aware there is yes. actually a, an antidote to the damage. An antidote, absolutely. And I mean, to think that Ireland came up with it, and Irish hospitals don't have it—that's that, a disgrace within itself. But I think the main problem is the fact that aesthetic medicine has grown as a field of medicine, but it's not regulated within conventional medicine within the hospitals. So the doctors that are coming through our system aren't used to what has been used to diagnose the problems and how to treat it. That's 90% of the problem. And they end up in plastic surgery clinics and they're sent home. And let's be honest about it. I've seen many cases like this. Anyway, 
I suppose we're not here the day to be given out to the hospitals of enough to do in terms of COVID and that, but that's one of our outstanding problems. Well, I think, Dr. Dr. Tracy, have any of your experience and and standing saying very openly that there is yeah. there is an antidote to the damage that hyaluronic acid can cause. There is an antidote, and it should be in every emergency room in the country, and it isn't. That's right. And if I could go one stage further, and again, I don't like dragging my colleagues into something. One of our patients was told that they should go back to the private sort of system that caused this by a hospital consultant in a Dublin AR. Now, if that's the case, that would mean that if I went into the bond secure and had a stent done or I went into CUH later with it blocked, they would turn around and say, well, well, you should go back to where you got it done and they'll unblock it for you. Because it's the same thing. It's an embolus or a thrombus going into an artery causing tissue damage down the line. There's no difference in getting a heart attack and somebody injecting derma fillers into your artery in your face. The tissue downstream is going to rot away, but it's just we have a simple antidote that should be used. Wow. You know, that's easy to get. And I mean, um, every clinic in the country will have it in their armory before they even inject people. But anyway, as I say, we're not here to be given... Well, no, no, I, I know that, but I, I'm very glad that you have raised this because mm-hmm. I consider every day that I start this program and I like to think some of my listeners feel the same. Every day is a day you can learn something. And sure. I think I've, I've certainly learned something in the past four minutes, Dr. Tracy. Okay, well, that is nice in itself in a way. Now, I'm going out to Paris in a few hours. We have the World Congress there. And we're going to be discussing this um, problem. And it's not just Irish hospitals. We've seen a patient from Germany recently that was four weeks down the line with her face uh, rotted away, let's say. And um, they had been in a hospital for one week under a professor of surgery in a town in Germany. I don't want to identify it. Then they were uh, admitted to a military hospital underneath the professor of dermatology. None of them use hyaluronidase. And one of them, when they were cautioned later by one of my colleagues in Germany, why didn't you use it? Oh, we know that it's there, but we didn't know what um, um, doses to use. Right. So, I mean, holding on to patients instead of referring them down the line. So it's not just an Irish problem. It right. happens in England as well. You know, yeah. it happens in Germany. And it's, it's about time, really, that um, the hospitals recognise the fact that sort of, you know, patients can be easily reversed with an antidote and that they're sitting in waiting rooms for maybe seven hours to be seen. And anyway. And one can imagine that someone inside an emergency department at one o'clock in the morning, a person there with a swollen face or whatever, they, 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 they may be, they may say, right, well, what if we're wrong injecting this stuff? Will it, is, will it do any harm if you inject it wrongly? No, I think it's fair to say it'll not do any harm. And I mean, I've had three instances over the last couple of years, two from Dublin and one from Cork, to be fair, where the nurses realised what is happening and actually phoned us to deal with it. And um, we were able to contact somebody in Cork, who was another colleague who, instead of driving all the way to Cork, and um, but it's happening everywhere. And the thing is, it's such a simple I suppose, antidote to use. But um, look at the patients we've seen from Cork and uh, from Albania and Paris weren't vascular occlusions. They were actually a particular product, I don't want to mention in there what, okay. that sort of is going solid in patients' faces down the line. And a lot of the top clinics in Ireland are using this product. We all know what it is. 
it, I, I wouldn't want to go so far to say it should be withdrawn off the market, but um, it certainly is causing major problems worldwide. And as a consequence, we don't know whether it's a contaminated product infection, a hit. Okay to say that because it's a possibility or whether it's an inflammatory reaction when it breaks down in the skin, but it is causing problems. And um, there's three or four companies that have similar problems and that's the patients we're seeing because we've introduced inject interlesion steroids and hyaluronides into these faces and because it's highly specialized, if you use too much steroids, you can cause dermal atrophy or lipoatrophy where actually you can destroy the skin. Oh, so we've worked a combination that I suppose we tell at a world lecture and that's why we end up dealing with a lot of these problems worldwide. Can I ask you, lastly, I, I read yeah. in the paper that uh, the Health Product Regulatory Authority and the Department of Health are now talking to each other about possible regulation uh, in this area. Is your oh, expertise being called into <clears throat> these discussions? And it never is and this is half the problem. And you know, in the government... We, we, we run, uh, I suppose, a cultural association with Britain that has the lowest standards of regulation in the world. I mean, um, they let anybody do anything. And people say because they're in such financial difficulty that they're sort of making from that and they don't want to introduce it. A bit like cigarettes years ago. That's the talk on the street. We don't know. But certainly the British governments have never faced up to the problem that they're creating worldwide. And as a consequence, we have people like nail varnish technicians here, beauticians going over to... Liverpool, usually, for a one-day course, often given free flights to go there and come back to Ireland and injecting patients. It takes a doctor five to six years of going to med school, and two of those years is learning anatomy and neuroanatomy, and they can learn it in half an hour. What a wonderful world we live in. And and, and very, very finally, if somebody is considering a treatment for their face, what should they do first so they know where they're going? Well, I think if anybody has a medical qualification, in Ireland, dentists and doctors and nurses are allowed to inject. So I think we should remain at that. The problem, to be honest, PG, is also that some of these top clinics are using a product that certainly is causing problems in patients three or four months down the line. So they could be still going to one of the best places and just getting a product that I certainly wouldn't use and that I've had to deal with on maybe 20, 30, maybe 40 occasions to take it back out of patients' faces. So um, you look at the market is out there and people will always go to whatever level they can go. And um, if it means they're going somewhere cheaper, you know, we've been preaching this mantra for, for years with very little sort of results, either from patients wanting to move to, I suppose, regulated clinics or the government even willing to sort of come in. We had a, a big uh, thing only about two or three months ago where we actually wrote to the government to Leo at the time and um, your own Cork sort of um, TDs. Michael McGrath was told with personal letters, but nothing was ever done. Okay. i leave it with, there, with you there, Dr. Patrick Tracy from the Ellsbury Clinic in Dublin and Cork. Thank you very much. What I might get you to do is give that name of that product that you quite respectfully aren't naming on air, I understand that. Give it to my colleagues so I would probably recognise it. I'd appreciate that and thank you very much for your time this morning. Um, just be careful, will you? When you're sticking stuff in your face, be careful. And that's the thing, I didn't know that. Did you know that? All these things have actually got an antidote and most of the emergency rooms in the country or clinics in the country don't stock it. And if they stock it, they don't know how to use it. That's a bit worrying. 0818 96 96 96 on...
Bambi. I didn't watch the late late, but it's a great result. I love the song. Uh, I love, love, love our entry this year too, PJ. She seems to be an amazing young woman. Uh, I'm looking personal against that girl. I know nothing about her, but I think the song is awful and she can't sing. Uh, I'll be shocked if she makes it out of the semifinals. Well, I'll be shocked if they don't. Uh, Aiden says that Shakespeare's si- Yes, Aiden, Shakespeare's sister is the 90s act that Kevin was thinking of. They were brilliant. They were fantastic. And uh, reminds me of Lady Gaga, authentic, and stays true to herself, says Sinead. Just on the subject of, of Bambi, and look, you might not get it, and to be honest, I struggle a little bit with, with it myself because it is so natural and so thing to call Bambi she. Uh, Bambi is they. And that's that. Can it, we kind of make an effort? You'll, you'll mess up now and again. And Bambi doesn't take offence when you do. But guess would like to be known as they or just plain old Bambi. And I'm I'm happy to go with that. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool, for sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over forty five years in business. TheFurnitureCentre.ie. Corks ninety six FM. Listen to Corks ninety six FM while you work. While you work. Listen live at 96fm.ie. Now, there's big changes coming on the entertainment scene in Cork. The place, long known and loved as Conway's Yard, is having a complete makeover and will be known as Vibe Cork and is an LGBTQ plus venue. And I don't think we've had a dedicated one for quite a long time. Jen Bowler is the venue manager in partnership with the Clancy Group. Jen, is this the first dedicated venue we've had in quite some time? Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Yeah, it's it's great news. Look, it, we haven't had a venue in a long, long time, um, especially a dedicated one that's kind of not just popping up and going away again, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's great news for the community that like we've somewhere to go now, kind of, you know, on a permanent basis. When does it so open? I'm really, really looking forward. Um, so it's opening this weekend. So the first day is Saturday uh, and Sunday then as well. And we'll be looking kind of forward to staying open then kind of Thursday to Sunday will kind of be the days we're looking at moving forward. Right, so it'll open sort of nightclub hours, is it, or weekend bar hours or what? Uh, so at the minute it's half eight for this weekend, so doors are at half eight, um, we'll have loads of entertainment on, loads of acts, um, and we'll have DJ dental flow, so it's basically half eight to half two, um, Saturday and Sunday this weekend anyway. So what kind of uh, acts and artists and performances can we expect, Jen? Um, so I'm going to have a great mix of everything. There'll be live music, there'll be drag acts, there'll be cabaret, there'll be dancers, there'll be tribute acts, um, DJs, ev- everything that, you know, makes a good, a great bar, you know. I just want it to be top quality entertainment and a lovely welcoming space for everyone, you know. It needs to be a safe space and a permanent space as well. Um, so really looking forward to kind of, like, having a part in that, you know. Because with all the controversy last year over Chambers, and we covered that in, in some uh, detail here over a period of a couple of weeks, Jen, it became very obvious that, you know, the community doesn't actually have its own dedicated city centre place to go. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I've wanted to do this for so long, PJ, um, and, uh, like, fortunately, it's just the time that I can do it now, um, and I've teamed up with Clancy's group, and they're fully backing the whole thing, you know, and it, it's just going to be great. There's going to be events on constantly for the LGBT community, 
Um, and it's just somewhere to go and hang out and meet some friends or meet the love of your life or whatever you want. You know, it's it's just going to be it's going to be great, you know, um, and we're going to make sure there's great entertainment, as I was saying, in food and drinks and the whole lot. Would you like to get a performance of this in before before May? I'd absolutely love it. Um, if they are available on Saturday or Sunday, please get on to me. <laughs> um, I'd absolutely be over the moon. Um, yeah. yeah you, saw the, you saw the video, I take it, from the Odeon in Dublin at the weekend. Imagine, yeah, imagine that buzz inside. It. Imagine that buzz. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be amazing. So, yeah, absolutely reaching out there. Um, the the invitation, the invitation. Then, uh, can I put this on the table? The invitation is open from Cork's new LGBTQ club vibe. The invitation is open to Bambi Thug to come and perform. Absolutely, please. That would be an honour. Um, that would be great. Okay. Yeah, you're you're just starting us out here, BJ now and all. So thanks a million for that. I know. I'd I'd love to make it happen. I'd go to see that myself. Actually, I'd love to see that show. But. Yeah, I mean, as I said, there's never. There, I can remember back in the eighties, nineties, Jen, when you know it was a lot. Hard, it's it's not easy now, obviously, but it was a lot harder mm. to be gay and lesbian in Cork. And I remember friends of mine sneaking around, and I still feel sad for them today. Sneaking around, yeah. there was there was more places to go then, quietly, on the secret yeah, knock on the literally. door, than there has been up to That's now. It, like- yeah, absolutely. And like with our venue, like we want to make sure like, you know, you'll know straight away it's a gay venue, you know, it's going to be something that we're proud of. Um, there's going to be flags everywhere that you're going to know straight away it's a gay bar, you know what I mean? It's going to be a permanent fixture and a nice welcoming space for everyone. But yeah, obviously things have gotten a little bit easier, but you know, I found myself even because I came, I came out years ago, but yeah. I feel like the community is actually growing so much and I feel like there's so much more support and everyone's kind of minding each other, which I think is so nice. Um and yeah, I just think I can definitely see a bit of a change from say when I came out. Oh gosh, I won't even say how many years ago, a long time ago anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it's great to see everyone kind of supporting each other and kind of having each other's back. And getting getting back to Bambi, I mean, did you, were you surprised at the love over the weekend? No, I think they're amazing. Like the, like the performance was outstanding and I'm so, so happy they won like they are great so okay. I think it's great okay. um, so what do we yeah, got this yeah, weekend gonna be. who's who's the opening act Jen oh so look hopefully Bambi there now um, <laughs> but I, I, everything <laughs> everything will be revealed on our socials in the next couple of days anyway so keep an eye on those we're on Instagram yeah. and Facebook and TikTok I noticed that she's very secretive there's just this big coloured set of lips and vibe and all sorts of promises you got something big lined yeah. up the weekend have you I will look sure. We'll have to see, PJ. But <laughs> um, keep an eye on our socials. You know, anyway, I'm looking. You know, I'm looking for a story. Fair play to you, Jen. <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> come here. You're more than welcome anytime, PJ. Come on, in to me, and uh, we look after you. But um, yeah, look. Obviously, everyone's welcome. It's going to be great, and um, yeah, it's just great to have a place that we can all kind of go and hang out. It's fantastic, Jen. Thank you. Jen Bowler is the venue manager of Vibe. Cork's new club for the LGBTQ community, which is opening in what used to be known as Conway's Yard and will be open on weekenders. We kind of didn't know where it was. We thought at one point it was going into JJ's. It's not. It's going into Conway's Yard, which has hugely popular uh, over the last couple of summers. And so I have only ever in Conway's Yard once. Um, in, on a summer's night a year or two ago and it was the, just the buzz now listen I was way too shagging old to be in there I had one bottle of beer left like but it was gorgeous just wonderful wonderful place and, and, and that buzz will now be 
the buzz of vibe and people looking forward to that. 0818969696. And wouldn't that be some crack? Imagine the videos. Imagine the crack you'd have if this started happening inside in vibe. Maybe sure they'll be playing at the weekend. <laughs> 0818969696. This is the opinion line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. The Furniture Centre.ie. Cox 96 FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Yeah, I found a bunch of those names. There's loads of them out there. These punny names. You know, these names that someone sat down and thought of when they're opening a business and you go, why didn't I think of that? Like there's a an off-license. I found an off-license called Amy's Wine House. <laughs> Love it. Amy's Wine House. And there's a a florist in New York called, or in, yeah, sorry, in York actually, York in the north of England, called Florist Gump. Love it. Florist Gump. <laughs> uh, yeah. Brilliant. Bread, I love that. Bread Zeppelin is another one. Bread Zeppelin. You wonder who sits down and thinks, how are we going to come up with that? And a hair salon. The hair salons really come in for for great creative naming. We've had Ryan Hair. And here's one I just saw in front of me here called British Hairways. Right? And a, a clothing store called Indiana Jeans. Love it. Give me your ideas at uh, 083-396-9696. Kate says if I opened a barber, I'd call it the Blade Runner. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right, to far more serious matters. There is nothing, in my mind, more cruel than scamming someone using a funeral to scam people. Using death and loss and tragedy and sadness to scam people. But sadly, if there's a way to scam someone then they will be scammed. And this is a particularly nasty one, I think, to do with the live streaming of funerals. Because, as you know yourself, during the pandemic, we couldn't go to funerals. And if there was a funeral, we watched it on a live stream on the Internet. Then, after the pandemic, people kept up the live streams because it was popular. Like if someone, friend, relative, whatever, is overseas or in hospital or whatever, they can watch it on the live stream. My mum, for example, watches a lot of funerals, people that she knows or would be connected to on her iPad because she, it isn't that easy for her to go anymore. And if they're anyway distant at all, she'd watch it on her iPad. There's a scam has been developed in connection with that. Gerald Quinn is a funeral director. Uh, Gerald, good morning to you. This is, this is an insidious, nasty scam. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. It's uh, particularly distressing for the families involved. Um, basically, um, the target uh, seems to be um, tragic or young funerals. Any uh, funeral notice, be it um, that ends up on Facebook, we'll say from RIP.ie or some other service, that's getting a lot of reactions or a lot of posts. Uh, they're seeing this as as a prime target to set up a, a fake page 
purporting to be uh, offering a live stream with images taken from the, the deceased person's own social media presences. Uh, these are put up on the on on this fake page, and then you're asked to when you when you click through, you're asked to set up an account, which obviously involves providing credit card details, and we all know where that goes after that. Mm-hmm. And they're very credible because they're put together, like you said, with pictures hoovered from the deceased's social media. This is it. They're, they're basically harvesting the the images of of somebody who has died, maybe in tragic or, or uh, accidental circumstances. Somebody who, uh, particularly, we'll say with the young death, as as we had there over the weekend, where there's an awful lot of people would have a, an interest. People maybe have emigrated and they they have an interest in seeing the funeral. And this is when they do a search. This is something that comes up, and um, it's. It's, it's very distressing for the family to think that the, the, these sacred images belong to their, their loved one that's that right. be used in this way. There's the, there's the use of the images for it, but how much money were they, I mean, what, are you paying a fee to, or supposedly paying a fee to see I, the, I, the live stream, is that I, it? It seems um, that when you click through, they ask for the credit card details, but as as so many of us do when we're set, setting up accounts, we provide the credit card details and there's no initial fee, but once, obviously, these people have them, uh, what use they put them to at a later stage is, is anyone's guess, but they're, they're not providing any live stream of any sort. There, there, there isn't a charge for uh, any live stream that's provided by a church or where an independent videographer is taken in by a family, the family pay that. So there's no reason why anyone should ever have to pay any fee to watch the live stream of a funeral. And the only time it would ever be restricted is if the family wanted privacy or something like that. See, see. Now you've come up against or discovered something else happening as well. Uh, another scam involving, was it another funeral director? It, it it was indeed, and again, it seems to be related to where they are. They they obviously have some uh, means of checking the number of reactions uh, on funeral director Facebook pages and that to different posts. Where um, we had a, a a local funeral director and his wife here had a, a, a wedding anniversary, and obviously all the local people who who thought. An awful lot of them had reacted to it, and then uh, they actually set up uh, a page to watch a celebration uh, of their wedding anniversary. Now, no such public celebration was ever taking place, but this was a, a another angle that they that they had used based on the reactions they were getting. Yeah, yeah, it's insidious and, and it's nasty and it's mean, and particularly people and again, who are you know. I mean, imagine you're overseas and you just heard that your childhood friend, say, had died and you cannot possibly get home because you're maybe in Australia, South Africa, Shanghai, somewhere even further afield than that, you would open up and you would fall for this because you'd see your friend's pictures and your friend's memories and then you give them a credit card and you are fleeced. This is this is unfortunately the case because while... People here, as you say, would have been used to watching live streams of funerals. Maybe somebody overseas, and this is the the first time they've ever needed to to tune into a funeral. They mightn't be aware of the the, the normal situations in this regard, and they say, "Oh, this must be the way it happens." And they, as you say, they provide the details. So, so probably the best thing to say, Jerry, or to ask you is for a legitimate live feed of a funeral. I mean, as a funeral director yourself, for a legitimate live feed, who sets that up and how do you know it's genuine? 
Um, ideally, uh, the first thing people should do would be to check out the death notice either on the funeral director's own Facebook page or on uh, a death notice page like rip.ie um, and the, the, the genuine stream will be there because that uh, those notices are provided by the funeral directors. Um, anything uh, other than that, we'll say that any specific Facebook page set up for a live stream funeral directors don't don't do that as they'll only be ever through their own Facebook page or um, if it's a church webcam or whatever it'll be yeah. through the uh, through the RIP.ie yeah. link. I've seen links within RIP.ie they carry right. links sometimes don't they? That That's right just usually further down the notice there will be a a place where there is a live stream provided, there will be a, there is a live stream uh, button there just to click to take you straight to that particular webcam. Yeah, and the other one, just coming back to the updates that you've had, where your your other your colleague funeral directors there, they they were the subject of a scam was a wedding anniversary. It could be a birthday. It could be a wed an actual wedding or engagement. So people are scamming with supposedly setting up live streams and big online guest books for things that aren't happening at all. That's right, that's right. And uh, they, they are obviously getting some reactions because they, there are followers on these things. That Thankfully, I, I, I imagine somebody has made them aware with, with a bit of publicity over the last number of days that these aren't genuine, but it's it's still possible that uh, they, these people only need to catch so many people that don't that's need all, to catch that's everybody. That's always the way. That's always the way. Yeah. It is always the way. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, that's Jared Quinn, uh, funeraldirectors.ie. Um, so, live streaming of a funeral. Go through rip.ie. Go through a genuine website of a genuine funeral director or a genuine Facebook page. Thank you for that, Jared. There's another funeral type scam as well. And it's, it's, it's being used for phishing. In other words, it's been used to get at your data. And maybe your credit card too, if it's if it's stored. This is where you get a message, a Facebook message that's supposedly coming from one of your friends, and it says, "Look who died." Be careful of that. Look who died. Um, and the article looks good, looks genuine. It's fake, and it takes you obviously to get further information out of you. It takes you to one of these phishing sites and it'll invite you in through your Facebook username and password you know the way you're going through Facebook and you see oh look who died and it's a picture of someone that you might know or be familiar with you click on it and then oh you need to log in now so give it your Facebook details and next thing you know you've got your Facebook tacked and after that they could put in malware and oh stop if they find a way to get you, they find a way to get you. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. As Ronan Murphy from Smartech always says here on the show, the weakest human emotion is trust. And online, trust nothing. Absolutely nothing. Unless you know exactly where it's from, which, as Jerry said, in the case of a funeral, would be something very legitimate and commonplace, like RIP.ie, or a known website or known authentic Facebook page of an actual funeral director.
0818 We're staying with uh, Facebook and scams and how Facebook can be used to help you find creeps because they're out there too. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Helping you through the afternoon with the best soundtrack in Cork. All the biggest names, Key and Crow, Lady Gaga, Dua Lipa and loads more. Plus, prizes to be won from 12 on Cork's 96FM. You know, you couldn't be up to the women of Ireland uh, and the women of Cork. They're far brighter than us fellas. <laughs> They've started a Facebook group pointing out dodgy individuals on the dating scene. <laughs> Annette Nagel, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Tell me about this. <laughs> I this love that introduction. You couldn't be up to us. <laughs> it's called so Are Cork. We Dating so the Cork. Same Guy Cork? <laughs> Correct. Yes, yes, indeed. So this is a group for the women of Cork or wherever. It can be outside of Cork. Um, and it's basically, you know, if you women are on the dating apps, there's so many different scams out there now and men perhaps not with the best intentions. And so they can, if they're on the dating apps, they can post a picture of the guy that they've either been on a date with or about to date, you know, have arranged a date with and say, basically what they say is any tea girls, as in T-E-A, any tea, any chat about this fella. Any tea. And it's tea. That's what it's called. Yes. Any tea. In other words, have you got anything to tell me? Any chat, any crack about this dude. <laughs> and it's... So you've never so been so language. Oh, well, now, I would love to take credit for inventing the language. I didn't. It's been around for quite a while. Various different groups around the world. So we didn't invent that. But, you know, we're, we're doing well. We're doing very well. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that's it. They put up the picture then of the gentleman with sometimes his first name, sometimes just an initial, maybe an age, maybe a general location. The lady can post anonymously if she wishes to, um, or she can post that, you know, she can reveal her name. It's entirely up to herself. And our other members then help this lady out by saying whether or which this dude is worth her time or whether he's going to be a waste of her time. Who came up with this? Based on their experiences. It's been doing the rounds now, PJ, for a couple of years on Facebook, these type of groups. Yeah. So, but the lady involved in this Cork group of the lady who started is Denise. And uh, she's a force to be reckoned with. You don't mess with Denise. (laughs) So she's running the group. And I am, along with another girl called Dee, are her sidekicks, basically. And um, yeah, so there's three of us there. So... um, Everything that is said in the group, one is confidential, obviously, so the women can be 100% sure that they're safe. We do, unfortunately, get some BITCHs in there who screenshot some of the pictures and say, oh, look who's up in the group and send it to the man in question. That's not on because that is that is possibly putting somebody's safety at risk. You know, and that's the reality of it is. That's is it, what it, is it a to. group, Annette? Is it a private group? Do you have to be sort of admitted to yes, it? Yes, it is. Okay. You do. So there is uh, rules and questions that have to be answered before you're allowed to um, join the group. 
And up until today, the group has been hidden for quite some time just because, you know, there is a lot of work in the background. And, you know, with Christmas and everything, we all wanted to kind of take it handy. So the group hidden for a while. But today now we have made it visible because we knew I was coming on today. So you can you can request to join the group. You have to answer the questions and agree to the rules before you're permitted entry. And obviously there's no men. Yeah. And we check each profile is checked thoroughly. If we think your profile is dodgy, if we can't see enough information, we'll request more information to make sure it is a woman. And if you don't get back to us with that information, then you don't get in. You know, so we are very thorough. You're like MI5. Well, you know, PJ, when you've been around the block a bit, you know, you get kind of clever about these things. And we've seen a few men trying to gain entry. I'm and how many are in the group? At the moment, I think we're I think we're up to two and a half thousand. We'll have to have mm. a quick look again. But yeah, and that's only since uh, God the group only went public. Well, it was set up in April, but there was nothing done with it for quite some time. I think we only went public really in September, October, perhaps. Mm. So that's a that's a huge amount, and it's been very very successful in saving lovely ladies wasting their time and there's been a few bios who have been <clears throat> going around in more than one place oh and go on caught. do tell without naming anybody do tell do tell <laughs> go on well we have one we have one gentleman who's becoming a bit synonymous in the group now because my god the amount of women this dude has on the go i don't know how he's able to keep up because he's got 10 different threads of conversation with 10 different women and I honestly don't know where he gets his memory from to remember who he's talking to and what he's told who to. He's unbelievable. Let alone his energy. And he's obviously being caught. Hmm? Let alone well, his energy. <laughs> the energy and the diesel or petrol or whatever he's using going from one spot to the next because, by God, I couldn't give up with him anyway. That's guaranteed. And what but happens when you catch someone... What happens when you catch someone like that? Would you let him know that we know, like... Well, it's not up to us. In the, it's not up to myself and the girls in the group to do that. It's up to the women that he has been um, cheating on. So it's up to them to go ahead then and do what, what they wish with the information, you know. So obviously any woman who had been dating him, um, you know, were able to say, hang on a minute now, you, I have this information here. And everything that is in the group. So if a woman says she has been dating this guy, we need to see proof. We need to see screenshots of messages or messages and so on to prove that there is a connection between them. Because we can't just put up the information and not, you know, have something to back it up. Everything is verified by one of us three in the group, the three girls. So we are able to prove, we caught you, Mr. B., we see that you have had however many women on the go. And we will post those messages on the group for the women to see, hiding the information, obviously. But we're saying, look, this is Mr. B and this is one, two, three, four and so on. And all of ye have been dating him at the same time. And all of them have had to go and get a sexual health test done because of a certain Mr. B. Mm-hmm. And a few of them have had things that they shouldn't have had. But that was because Mr. B was going around. Oh, dear. And doing the rounds left, right and centre. Yes. So, you see, we're not just about a bit of crack and exposing these men. We're about the safety of women. We're supporting them. We're advising them mm-hmm. and making sure they're not wasting their time on a fellow who's no interest in being with them. He's just using them for a bit of fun. 
So we're not, we're, you know, we're there to empower these women so that they are not wasting their time on men. Our time is valuable, very valuable. So we're not wasting our time on these men on the dating apps. And we are exposing men left, right and centre. Metaphorically speaking, of course. Well, well, not metaphorically, PJ, because their picture is on the group. (laughs) Their picture is up there on the group and this is it. This is Mr. F and he has been dating you, you and you. And there's your proof. And you can then take those... now. Screenshotting from the group is very much not allowed. But sometimes women do have to take a shot to show to a man, say, look, there you go. I know what you've been up to and I'm not wasting my time with you anymore. You're out of here. Oh, You know, and it's protecting the women. Here's a suggestion coming in. There's a suggestion coming in. Asher, there's going to be somebody giving out. Go on. No, actually, how would Annette feel about organizing that all of the women turn up at the one date at the same time with your man. PJ, don't be tempting me now, will you? Stop. Don't you know I'm up for anything like that? <laughs> Look, that's that would be up to the woman in, involved. And I mean, I certainly, if it was required, I could certainly reach out to all the women that this dude has been dating and say, Look, girls, if you want to get in contact with each other, here's your information. But other than that, no, it's, I, I wouldn't do it. Um, because You're the thinking women about it though, aren't you? Their own information private. Stop it, PJ. Now, don't you be tempting me. You know what I'm like. <laughs> <clears throat> don't you be putting ideas in my head, right? I'm trying to be very professionally. You're not helping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's called. <laughs> You're very bold. It's called. You're are we dating the same PJ. guy, Cork, Annette? Right. Yes, it is indeed. It is indeed. And as from today, the group is now um, visible. So the women, now when I say it's visible, it means you can find it in the search, you know, in Facebook. That's all that's visible. Once you go into the group, your name is not visible to anybody else, only those in the group, if you post in the group. And you can post anonymously. You can reach out to the three admins, myself, Denise and Dee, and you can request that such and such picture be put up, posted anonymously, so on and so forth. And as I said, the serious side of PJ, we have spared one or two women from getting into situations with men who like to throw their weight about. So, you know, oh. there's a serious side to it as well. Oh, you know, we oh have... as in as in fellas who do more than just date one woman yes. at a time. I see. Oh, no, they, 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 we like we we once we uncovered one dude in particular who not in this country, but in another country um, was had been jailed for um, battery, yeah, beating up women on a regular basis. We were able to locate the news article and share it in the group to put women wide of this dude. So that in itself is worth a million. You know what I mean? So it's sparing some woman going through something so horrific. We we, we, we might have a laugh here, you and me, but that's a very serious side. Uh, Yeah, but but that's the serious side of it. I mean, in this day... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You and I have spoken many times about the safety of women and so on, and especially after what happened to the beautiful Ashley Murphy and the, the walk that I organized that time in Mallow to show solidarity with her and her family. The safety of women is is paramount in this day and age. And so this is one of the reasons this group was set up, was to try and keep women as safe as possible. And so if they're on the dating apps and this dude is love bombing them and telling them he's going to do this and he's going to do that, you know, and you can get your head turned very easily if somebody, you know, is being really, really lovely to you. Whereas in actual fact, it could turn out he may have a criminal record for something that you don't want to get involved with, you know. So there's a very serious side to it as well. It is very it is. serious side. It to is. It. it is. And good. Good to bring it to our attention. It is publicly visible now on Facebook, but you have to be admitted to it, and they won't let you in on a whim. You have to be admitted to it. You have to show them that you are actually a woman and that you actually want to be part of this group, etc., etc. Thank you, Annette. Yeah, spit in the tea. I would have said spit in the beans, right? Spill the beans. Uh, apparently, beans and tea mean the same thing. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. <laughs> Imagine that, though. That's a cool idea. I think Annette said, oh, we'd never do that, but I know she's thinking about it. So, in the group, this fella's face is put into the group. He's seeing four or five or maybe six women at the same time. God bless him and his energy. So one of them decides, will we go for a drink and maybe a bite of dinner? Will we go for a little bit of dinner? I'll book a table. So she books a table. Imagine now Valentine's night's coming up, right? And she has figured out that this fella is, is, is not all he pretends to be. So she books a nice table and says, you know what, I'm going to book a lovely table now for you and me for Valentine's night to celebrate the fact that we're together and we're dating. Let's pick somewhere nice. I don't know, she could go anywhere. Let's pick Ecos, for example, in Douglas. So she says, let's go to Ecos or, or, or anywhere else, any nice restaurant in town. Let's go for a nice meal uh, for Valentine's night just to, you know, celebrate being together and our new relationship and all that. <laughs> and he turn and you'll be, you be there. See you at 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock. And he turns up at eight o'clock and the six women have been sitting around the table since quarter to eight. Can you just imagine the scenes, lads? Epic scenes. Just going back to Bambi Thug and the whole, some people saying the Lady Gaga look and, and all that kind of thing. And Aiden referred back to Shakespeare's sister in the 90s and uh, Councillor McNugent reminds me also that and I, I've, I've forgotten this Mick, thank you that uh, one of them was Irish Siobhan Fahey uh, and if you look up the video you will see 
exactly what people are saying when they're comparing, say, Bambi to to Shakespeare's sister back in the day. This was their big hit. Yeah, look up that look up that that video on on YouTube and the the makeup and the whole choreography. It's really good. Thank you for that memory. I'll have to go back down and listen to all that song later on. Oh eight one eight. 96, 96, 96. On funny names for shops, Kate says, yeah, if I had a barber, she's here called the Blade Runner. Uh, hairdressers in Glasheen, PJ. Curl up and die. D-Y-E. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie. Corks 96 FM. Yeah, by the way, if we get any news from that uh, discovery of skeletal remains yesterday, if we get any news before 12, we'll certainly bring it to you. All of the talk is that uh, it's possibly the remains of Kieran Quilligan. Uh, that's the, the working theory, but Gardy haven't yet said anything about whether that's official. There's a post-mortem was due to get underway this morning out at CUH, conducted by Dr. Bolster, but we know not yet who it is. The theory is um, Kieran Quilligan, but if we get any more, if we get any more, we'll certainly bring it to you. On a lighter note, John Arnold has been writing in the Echo about the whole... Parky Queeve renaming debacle. It's what is it, two, two weeks ago now since we were shocked and horrified to discover that a proposal would go before the county board to rename Parky Queeve Super Value Park or Park Super Value. Sure, there was Melia murder, as they say. There was something of a compromise reached, but no vote was taken. And I spoke with the grandson of... Um, the grandson of Portugal Cueve, uh, Donald O'Cueve, he said he might be prepared to put up with a compromise. His family would like would be okay with a compromise of super value Parky Cueve. But nothing's been decided just yet. Now, John Arnold, you are a delegate to the county board, but you weren't at that meeting. What would you have had writing in the echo about it? You'd have had quite an amount to say. Good morning. Morning. Yeah, I was an... Um a pre-planned holiday. We usually try and go for a, <coughs> maybe a week away. This time of the year before, it gets busy with coast caving. That's uh, so that was arranged. That was arranged last autumn before the, the the dates of the board meetings are came up. Yeah, like <coughs> I wrote in the echo. I suppose I'd have blown fuse because obviously the whole story, like the aspects, with the aspect that only for a journalist break it in one of the local papers. On the Monday, the night before the board meeting, <laughs> it would look like that delegates from across the county would have gone into the county board meeting that night knowing absolutely nothing about mm. the proposed deal and it would have been put to them. It, know, it was all English who brought the story on the, yeah, on the Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's right, yeah. <laughs> so, and I like to that then, just <laughs> coincidental, that same weekend, the, the county board had announced that there was going to be a a ban on all the media, written media and radio media from now on. So I, I don't know, like the whole thing was covered with secrecy. What would I have said? 
Well, you see, I suppose they kicked the touch in, in fairness, when, like you said, there was Mila Mudbull on that Monday and that Tuesday right across the country, from the Oakley family to the people involved with Nemo Rangers to the people just that have a bit of respect for... Well, the if you look at the things culture. that came up, I know you were away, John, but you'd be, you'd be well across it now that you're back. One of the two things that came up, first of all, when I saw it on the table, I kind of said, Asha, what of it? Then I heard that the O'Keefe family had not been notified. And I thought, whoa, stop a second. Stop a second. That was the one that got me. To- and then I, un- then when I looked into, because I confess, I-, I wasn't too familiar with the history of Padraig O'Keefe. And I went, I went and read that. I thought, yeah. no, no. Now, I think people much more steeped in the gad than me would have been horrified by the prospect of dropping the, the name of name. Such, yeah, yeah and, 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 and I know you you know now all the arguments were trotted out in beggars can't be choosers when we're a big debt look we have to take what we get and we can't be dictating the terms blah 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 and all that but you come here <coughs> like, the amazing thing about it is I think there are 17 other J county boards now in the last so especially in the last three or four years right. have negotiated deals for naming rights with sponsors, okay, they mightn't have been top the million in data quite any of them wouldn't took so maybe they were in a stronger position than Cox. But I think not one of them, amazingly, not one of them were forced to drop the original name. No. So you have you now have FBD Simple Stadium to still called after Tom Simple, Nolan Park is still called after Alderman Nolan, Dr. Colin Park is still so 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 I don't know why you say, some people could say, oh, well, we were in a poor position, we couldn't dictate terms. And I, I'm conscious of the fact that, PJ, as we speak now, even though the fast and passing, it's quite possible that as we speak now, somewhere in Cork, in a hotel or in an office somewhere, maybe in Parky Cueve itself, maybe there are negotiations going on still with <coughs> that supermarket chain and with the office of the county board. And I'm, I'm conscious of that. <laughs> and, 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 and I wouldn't want to put a spell no, on No, no, no. But, but the, the one side of this that, that didn't like, talk at all... Like, the one side yeah, like, of this whole thing that didn't talk at all was Musgraves. And look, a fine, fine Cork company. Yeah, and we can't yeah, say that yeah, loudly enough right. or often enough. A fine, yeah. fine Cork company. But we were told at one point, John, that they were digging their heels in and that they were saying, no, it has to be Park Super Value. Well, I would have said at that stage, if I was the county board and if I was the delegate, and God knows the county board doesn't need or want me, it deserves far yeah. better. But yeah. if I was a delegate on the county board, I think, well, you know what, lads? We'll find someone else who will yeah, let for, us keep yeah, the name. Thanks, for, thank, thanks very much. Day-day, it was lovely to have been talking to you. You're a grand company, but sorry, we have a bottom line. I mean, sure, PJ, if you haven't a bottom line, like, if you haven't a bottom line, if you haven't an underlying principle, if you haven't a core value, you're fickle. You have nothing at all. You, mm. you must have... And, and, and no, I haven't ever done much hype on negotiating. I failed past maths in every exam I did it. <laughs> but I know the value of money, and I know there will be huge debt. But having said that, I presume anybody that goes into any business negotiations, whether you're buying something or selling something, mm. or looking for something, like, there's a bit of give and take. But I presume you have to have a bottom line. You can't go in and say, well, look, we're prepared to sell anything. We're prepared to give away ev- absolutely everything. And, I, and like in fairness now, a lot of people p- probably would say, and if you maybe took the views of lads playing hurling in football throughout clubs and cock, they mightn't have a clue who Patrick or Queef was. And they mightn't <clears throat> care less. But that's, that's not the point. I mean, we're supposed to be here in Rebel Cock and when we go out and we're so proud of our traditions and of our history. And, and, and what, what does Rebel Cock come from, like? 
I presume mm. rebel cock comes from the stand that a lot of cock people took, say, during the War of Independence and all that, like, you know, when we, we stood mm. up and were counted, other counties didn't. And, like, who was to the fore amongst him? Only that man, Bob and Roscommon, who spent all his life here. Well, I remember the morning the story came out, John, and I admit it here, that I knew little or nothing about him other than that he had been a very significant figure within yeah. the GAA. That, that was all yeah. that I knew. And a couple of brief articles, I thought, it would be... It would be sacrilege to remove that man's name. Yeah, because, like, like I mean, anybody that ever, if you ever, you said you've read articles, you see one phrase always coming out, and that he was kind of regarded as the father of the modern GM, I mean, he took over in 1929. By the time he died in 1964, the number of clubs had doubled. Mm-hmm. The number of members had doubled. He was the man that was decided, you know what would be a good idea? To have a county grounds in every county. And not everybody listened to him. He was a man in the 1950s promoted that every club should try and buy their own grounds. He was a man that first put forward um, uh, the idea of giving grants to clubs. Like so, he was he was a visionary. Like I mean, there's no point in saying he wasn't. I mean, only for him, only for him, the developments we've seen, not alone in Cork but in Croke Park, but in other county grounds, or wouldn't have taken place. Simple as that, they would not have taken place. And then to suddenly say, no, well, yeah, we're in debt now, so we can throw all that down the drain. And and like, look. <coughs> They want to have sympathy for the county board, but they're in a fair pickle now. They're in a fair buy now. Will it, will it come up again at a meeting, do you think, John? Do, do, do we do it or do we not do it? <clears throat> because of their own making, like... And, I mean, probably people listening now and they'll say, oh, why don't John Arnold suggest the way of clearing off the debt? So, I mean, <clears throat> in the echo last week, I put forward a proposal. I said, look, if, if there's 999 other people in Cox City and County want to give a thousand euro each, which make it up to the million, I'd be the first fellow to give the county, the county board the thousand euro if they come, if they suggested that was an idea. And I haven't had anything back from anyone since. But John, I know but, you, I know you said you did pass maths. I, at least I, I did do honours maths. But one thing I do remember, I, I did look at it. The amount of money being put up for the name should couldn't have made a small dent in the No, desk. no, no. And, and, and obviously, like, obviously the naming rights, okay, of course, under the cock one ship at the moment, we're looking for various other sponsors and in fairness, a lot of other small sponsors have come in, which are the big one, the flagship one, the one that you'd be hoping would bring in a big wall of money, a fairly decent wall of money <coughs> would be the naming rights. After that, you could have other people that would come on board with, with smaller amounts. Like, like, like I said, I'm not a negotiator, but personally, I, I would have thought yeah. that this isn't, one of the, this isn't one of the top 10 stadiums in Munster. It's one of the top 10 stadiums, not alone in the country, but now in, in Europe. Oh, it's, like, a, so fine, it's, a, it's a fine, fine, yeah. say, a fine, fine achievement. And, if, yeah. and, and look, look, I know, I know, look, it's a crippling debt. But at the same time, at the same time, we, we still have assets in South Africa at a land bank in the north side of the city. That will be sold at some stage. I don't know how much that will make. I just don't know. But I presume it won't be anything south of five or six million. And yeah, you know, like, I'll mm. be how long well, we'll hold on to it. That, 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 that's, that's something. For, that, the two things before I let you go, John. It will come up again, I imagine, at a future county board meeting. Of course, the media not allowed in, but sure, we have enough people yeah. inside to tell us what's going on. It will come up again. Do you think your own view, do you think that people would settle for Super Value Parky Cueve? Absolutely. I have had very few people, you mentioned there that Don Lockweave would prefer 
if, if, he'd settle for that, just yeah. he'd settle for But that. look, in every walk of life, we've to compromise. And I mean, if that solution had been put forward initially, and I know it was proposed, but the proposal wasn't taken last week, to have divided and, and to have created probably a, a very good plus feeling. People might say the money wouldn't great, but look, we, we, we're a, a, a community-based organisation, and we're joining now with a cop-based business organisation that has roots right across, across the country. And I said that name would be very acceptable. And hopefully it will come up, but the point is, like, we've just got an offer of very bad publicity out of it, an offer of publicity that we don't need at a time when, when we should be looking for positivity and, and, yeah. and, and pluses. Like, this was handled in an absolutely, the only way to say it is diabolical way. And I know very little about business, but I think I haven't met anybody to say, well, the reason this was handled this way was because because of what? Uh, nobody has told me why it was handled in this way, why there was a media ban put in place. Maybe just coincidentally, two things happened to come together at the same weekend. But I mean, I mean, like, and, and if the one good thing that come out of it, uh, PJs, that people now realise, and, and maybe we'll study the history that man, Patrick O'Keefe, and see the vast figure yeah. that he was, I said, like, you people would say, absolutely, it would be an absolute travesty of justice yeah. and a disgrace to well, us. That, that, that's that's how I felt with half an hour's reading, John, to be quite truthful with and, you. Come here. And, 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 and like you would meet like most people that you probably didn't know an awful lot about him. I wouldn't have either on either time, just the keen kind of history and the fact that his wife was some belly in awe. I was just going to get to that, John. I, the opening paragraph of your echo, I, your echo column, when I read it, I kind of said... Only John Arnold, only John Arnold could do. You are connected to Padre O'Keefe through marriage. Yeah, that's right. His wife was Peggy O'Keefe from Newtown in Bellinor, and she had a Scanlon ancestor, and my own great-grandmother was Scanlon, and they were first cousins, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All the Scanlons, the Scanlons would be a very proud East Cock family. They, they, they were, their roots were, I'd say, around Gare and Middleton in the 1700s, and um, they're all over East Cock now. Okay, look, you'll say, that's a very tenuous connection. I'd be proud of that connection. I'm sorry, I never met the man. I was only seven years old when he died, but anything I've ever read, Marcus de Burker, wrote a very classical history of the GFU years ago and he outlined it and obviously since that then I've gone back and read articles I've read minutes I mean I thought I thought the most amazing thing PJ about his financial acumen and just to just give one example before we go like he, he took over as Secretary General of the chain in 1929 and one of the jobs he also had to do was present the annual accounts and in 1930 the GA they bought a new horse in Croke Park at the time the, the moor to, to, to cut the grass in Croke Park was a horse drawn moor naturally there was no tractors or anything so they bought a new horse in 1930 for £11. Pounds. That was the price of the horse. And it was in the 1911 and 1930 accounts. The following year, the 1931 accounts, being a pure businessman, and he knew the value of depreciation. So the horse was depreciated by £5 pounds and he was only worth £6. Pounds. That's a joy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A okay. poor old horse. Yeah, God bless. We'll talk again in the future. I'm sure about this. Okay. Thank you, John. John, and of course, John Arnold. Uh, you can uh, thank you, John Arnold. Writes in the Echo about many things, and always amusing, and always a great contributor to the opinion. I'd love to have him. But he's also a fantastic mole because they have made this decision. Look, it's up to themselves. They're entitled to do it if they wish. They decided that county board meetings would be closed to the media. But there's a county board delegate for his own club of many years standing who has a weekly column in the Echo. So I think we'll probably find out an awful lot about what happens inside behind the closed doors of the county board meetings over the months to come. But certainly it looks as if we're headed that way with regard to the Parky Queeve 
Super Value Park in Cueve on Annette's Facebook group, which is Are We Dating the Same Guy Cork? I know it's a big long, big long name. Are We Dating the Same Guy Cork? Lisa says, Join the group, ladies. It's genius. I'm going to upset the feminist women here, but if he pays for the first date, personally, I think that's a good sign. I have no problem paying for the second. Should no man could afford seven first dates in a week, then I like your thinking, Lisa. I like where you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. I was introduced, I don't know whether to have been insulted or to thank her for pointing me in a very amusing direction. I was, Friday night after the Eurosong, I was texting a friend of mine, Ashling, because she hadn't seen it. And she asked me to send her a copy of my interview with Bambi so she could listen back. And then she'd watch the Late Late on the player later. <laughs> and I did that. And we were chatting to and from. And she said, by the way, she said, are you in the, in the dull men's club yet? I said, excuse me? Excuse you, me? Are you in the dull men's? Dull men's club is this huge group on Facebook. And it's not dull at all. It's actually very funny. Very, very funny. I joined the Dull Men's Club on Facebook. I know. Somebody will make a joke out of it. 0818 96 96 96 on funny names for businesses. I love that. I think it might be there. Um, someone should open a Chinese in Tipperary and call it the Walk of Cashel. I, I'm almost sure that either exists or existed at one point. The Walk of Cashel. I remember a fantastic pub as you go into Ennis you go into Ennis in County Clare Uh, I used to do gigs in Ennis quite a lot years ago and I always used to smile as I would drive in and I don't know if it's still there if anybody has Ennis connections they might let me know Marty Morrissey if you're listening I know he does let me know Uh, Tipsy McStaggers was a great name for a pub just, it was, as you drive into Ennis Town there in County Clare, it was on the left-hand side. You'd pass St. Flannan's, pass the college going in. There was a hotel. Then you'd pass St. Flannan's College. And then as you go in on the left, there was Tipsy McStaggers. And I used to laugh every time I went past it. I thought it was a great name. But that's the beauty. The Chinese in call it the Walk of Ca- Can anybody beat that? There's something that's come out of somebody's own imagination now. <laughs> uh... A Chinese restaurant in Tip that you'd call the Walk of Cashel. Beat that if you can. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Annette's dating group. I guarantee they'll have loads of members by the end of the day. Uh, and she was on earlier with me and we'll podcast that interview this afternoon uh, are we dating the same guy Cork is a private group on Facebook for women <laughs> and we had a good chat about it and not only is it there for 
you know, to spot dodgy dealers, but you might find someone and be able to protect them from from a real gangster. Are we dating the same guy, Cork? As I said, we'll podcast that interview uh, this afternoon. But back in the 80s, it says Anne, we had four boyfriends on the go at the one... What? We had four boyfriends on the go at the one time. There was none of us actually having sex with them. Just the crack. My buddy had two boyfriends turn up in Sable. Oh, Sables? One night. The only thing that saved her were the bailiffs coming in and shut the place down. <gasps> you were there that night? I was playing there the week before. God almighty. I can write a book, says Anne, about the innocent fun we had in Cork in the 80s. And that ain't that the truth. God, I did. I gigged in Sables the week before they closed it down. God almighty. 0818-969696, the number of the text or WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Before I finish today... And as I said, still no word on whether that is uh, Kieran Quilligan that was found in uh, East Cork yesterday. We won't know, probably won't know for a day or two. But if anything does emerge, I'll let you know. But just going through a list of the missing people of Cork. Uh, the newsroom gave me this list this morning. And I added one to it that whoever put the list together, the missing persons, the guy, the missing persons list had forgotten one, believe it or not. Do you know there are 14 people currently missing in Cork, have been missing for as far back as 1991 with with no trace of them? And I'll give you those names maybe later. But first of all, um, you look, it may or may not have come to your attention over the weekend that there was an attack on a Catholic church in Istanbul on Sunday, the 28th January, it was the Santa Maria Church in Istanbul. Uh, one man was killed and the Islamic State has claimed responsibility for what happened. Now, why am I telling you this? Because Cullum Flynn was there. Cullum is the Vatican News correspondent with EWTN. And Cullum, you were actually in Turkey. This was the start of a trip over there for your news agency, Um and a, a year after the earthquake, which I'd almost forgotten that anniversary is coming up any day now. Good morning to you. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And good morning to you too, PJ. And I'm still in Turkey at the moment. I've moved from Istanbul. I've come down to the very south of Turkey near the border with Syria. And it's interesting, as you're talking about on your show this morning, missing people in Cork. That's something that we've been covering here one year after the earthquake and PJ, as you mentioned, how quickly do we forget because of the news cycle and everything that's happening in the world? But it's just coming up to one year since this devastating earthquake ripped through the south of Turkey, the north of Syria. 60,000. Can you try wow. and comprehend that? 60,000 people killed, so many left uh, without a home, and so many still missing that they're unaccounted for. So you can imagine the pain and the anguish that is still here today yeah. um, with all the people we've been meeting. So that was one thing we came here to Turkey to do. But while we were in Istanbul, we were also doing a kind of wider story about Christians in Turkey. A hundred years ago, there were 20% Christians in Turkey. Now there's only 0.2%. So it has really dropped off the cliff. Wow. 
And we were interviewing different priests and bishops about, you know, why are there so few Christians left in the country? And we were talking about the persecution that they can face in certain places. Just as we were sitting down to do an interview with the main guy, Bishop Polarino, he's the most senior Catholic in all of Istanbul. When he came in to do the interview, we had set up the cameras and the lights, and he seemed a bit distracted and a bit kind of, um, he was a bit off. And he sat down and he said, look, I'm sorry, I did, did you hear the news this morning? And we said, no, what? He said, in a Catholic church, 20 minutes away, just as we were having mass here, two mass gunmen entered the church in the middle of holy mass, the consecration, and they shot and killed one person, and then they fled on foot. So that was just as we were sitting down to do the TV interview. Um, he still went ahead and did the interview. We talked a bit about it. And at the moment, there's still not much known about what happened exactly. Now, we went straight after the interview. We went to the church, and all the media were outside, and it was covered by uh, police and special armed forces from the Turkish government. But what they know is that two men came in. They were wearing masks. They had guns. During the mass, they shot at people. Uh, it's unclear, and this is the big question, if they were targeting one individual, if this was an assassination that just happened to take place, I say that, you know, uh, not lightly, but happened to take place in a church, or if this was an attack on the church itself and on Christians. ISIS, as you mentioned in, in the intro, the Islamic State, they came out and claimed responsibility for it. They said, yeah, these two gunmen were following orders that we have out to everyone to kill Christians and Jewish people. Um, they were captured, the two men who went on the run within 24 hours. But, you know, the government, I was talking to someone from Turkish television and they said to me first, well, we think it's just one targeted assassination. Then I spoke to someone else and they said, well, of course, they would want you to think that from the from the state television, because, right. you know, they don't want people to think that there is this extremism rearing its head here again today. Does, does it happen a bit more often than, than we hear, Colm? You know, there was a bishop killed here a number of years ago, but uh, for the last number of years, while uh, Christians are persecuted, PJ, in other ways, for example, missionaries coming into the countries, the country who've been coming here for the past 40 years, some of them all of a sudden had their visas denied. Uh, some people that were living here because they were giving out Bibles on the street, uh, they were sent home to the United States. In the Constitution of Turkey, there is religious freedom and religious tolerance. But as one priest I interviewed today said, look, we're told there is religious freedom, but we have to be smart about it. Here in the church, we can preach the gospel, but we can't do it on the street in a predominantly Muslim country. It's just not socially accepted yeah. or safe. Talk to me a little bit about uh, your your job, Colm, because you were in America for a while and I remember you being involved in the Today Show uh, in, in RTE. Now you're a Vatican News correspondent. How on earth did you end up a Vatican News <laughs> correspondent? And it sounds to me, because I have a fascination, I read a book, I read a few books about the, the Vatican uh, a number of years ago, one being Vicars of Christ by Peter DeRosa, which I'm sure you've probably read, and John Cornwell's A Thief in the Night, and a few books like that. It's a place, the politics of which fascinate me. How'd you land up in that gig? Yeah, it, you're right. Uh, fact is stranger than fiction, and never a dull moment when it comes to the smallest state in the world, Vatican City. Uh, even though the smallest state in the world Politically, its influence is far-stretching right across the globe. And uh, I'm from Ennis and Clare, and I think the last time we spoke, PG, I was uh, in New York working with the BBC, and I think it was around the time of COVID where we had covered stories for Nationwide and the Today Show about the Irish people there. Yeah, but 
Um, I was always covering stories of faith for the BBC and a bit for Nationwide for RTE. And then on the side, I started working for a company called EWTN, which is the biggest religious broadcaster in the world. And they said to me, look, we need a correspondent covering the Vatican, focusing on the Holy See and Vatican affairs and uh, the Catholic Church at large. Can you come to Rome? So I went to Rome three years ago. I took the gig and I've been doing that since. But it's kind of changed what started as covering Pope Francis and going on all his apostolic trips around the world. Um, now we travel the world and cover kind of human interest stories, human rights stories, anything connected with the Catholic faith, which really is mm. anything and everything. It, it, it does sound and always has read to me like the most politically fascinating state to cover. Yeah, because, um, and here's the thing, there, there's so much at stake, and uh, so much at stake. People don't realize this, that, like, for example, Ireland and England and other countries, they have embassies to Italy in Rome, but then they also have embassies to the Holy See. They have separate ambassadors and embassies just towards the Vatican because they recognize just how powerful and how much influence uh, to do good that the church has all over the world, particularly today across Asia, Africa, Latin America. But the politics that are at play would put, you know, any political games that are happening in, in Leinster House or in Westminster to shame. Yeah. Because there's a, you know, what's at stake is the papacy. And if you go in there as kind of a young, um, promising and rising cleric, you're not just going to become a politician or a figurehead or a head of a department, but you could become the successor of Peter, one of the apostles and uh, the spiritual head of over a billion Catholics across the globe. So there's a lot at stake. Um, and, you know, what Christians believe, what Catholics believe, is that we're dealing with people's well-being across the world, giving health care and education. But ultimately, you're dealing with people's souls and where they'll end up in the next life. Yeah. So it's just fascinating because you have the mix of the spiritual, the political, the human rights. It all kind of comes to a head yeah. There in the Vatican. Have you been over before, PJ? I've I've never been there except as a tourist. But one thing I was thinking as a, as a journalist, for example, I would love to be let loose in the archives for a couple of days to see what you'd find. <laughs> Good luck with that, PJ. I know it's virtually impossible. It's a you know, of course, it's no secret that the Vatican is a very secretive place, and while some places move in years or decades, the Vatican moves in centuries and change comes very slowly, as we've seen with the recent sexual abuse cases. Yes. And Pope Francis is trying to bring around a lot of transparency now when it comes to the accounts of the Vatican. For years, there was a lot of kind of misgivings and this and that. But that's kind of, there's a good handle on that now. And with the sexual abuse scandals that have rocked the church. But the Vatican archives, some of them have been digitized and opened up, like around Pope Pius XII and the Second World War. We did a nationwide program on that actually recently about Monsignor Hugh O'Flaherty, who was born in Cork, yeah. but then uh, grew up and uh, went to school in uh, Kerry and went to school in, in Limerick. But he was uh, the Vatican Pimpernel. There was that famous movie, The Scarlet and the Black. He saved over 6,000 Jews during World War II That's by true. hiding them in the Vatican. So I always try to remind people when they come to Rome, they can be put off by the politics of the Vatican, by the faults and by the failings of human beings. They're working at the, the church. But the, still, you can't deny when you go in and you learn about it and you see what they're doing, uh, the immense good that's been done. Yeah. Like where we are now. We're, we're, I'm sitting now in a van with 
five other people who are listening to me uh, shouting in the rear at the moment, but they all work for Malteser International, which is like a division of the Order of Malta, a humanitarian group, Catholic humanitarian group, who are just trying to do anything they can, for example, here in Turkey, to help the all the people who have been, lives have been just ripped apart by this earthquake. Yeah. And they're the stories, PJ, that you don't normally see on television, unfortunately. No, you don't. About. No, you don't. And it's a very good point that you make, Colin, because there is, and look, we've, for goodness sake, I covered my first abuse case. It's 30 years ago now, or if, if, if not more, and each one is more horrible than the one that went before it. And sometimes the good gets lost, and sometimes the, the, the fact that the vast majority of priests and bishops and clerics, they're just decent people who want to do decent things. That That's lost a lot, isn't it? Yeah, and everywhere we go uh, for the past number of years with this job, we have traveled to uh, recently a few months ago, Mongolia. We've gone to the United Arab Emirates. We've gone down into Africa, into Latin America. And when we're meeting people and they, first of all, here are speaking English and they say, oh, you're from the UK? And we say, no, Ireland, Ireland. And they say, oh, they instantly know Ireland. And that is because they were taught by a missionary priest. They were cared for by a nun. Mm -hmm. They were looked after by a bishop, their home or whatever. We just, everywhere we go, we just hear these incredible stories of how people's lives were touched by Irish missionaries. The sad thing is, PJ, they're all going to be gone soon in the next 10, 15 years. Um, and with them, their stories, and, and um, God only knows the good that they've done because their stories are just not getting yeah. publicized anymore. And you've bad people everywhere. Now, the church, it should be held to a higher standard because of what it preaches. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to practice what it preaches. And, and, and the undeniable fact that it moved people around to avoid taking action, Absolutely. that's unforgivable. Absolutely. Unforgivable. And that's why uh, you look at what Pope Benedict did with laicizing hundreds of priests and uh, Pope Francis establishing a commission to protect minors and um, getting external people in who are not connected with the church to make sure that this was effective and good safeguarding measures were being put in place. But uh, the vast people, the headlines are so grim sometimes. Of course, it's easy to lose hope in the church. But it, the vast, vast majority of people in the church are like those people in Cork who you know, the, the priests and the nuns who are just trying to do their bit to help someone else in a small way, in a big way, in any way they can. And thankfully, thank God, that's the vast majority of the Catholic Church right around the world. You mentioned Pope Benedict and indeed Pope Francis, who you travel, you have traveled the world with over the last number of years. Have you met them both this stage? No, I haven't met... Uh, Pope Benedict and Pope Benedict passed away. You'll remember. I know it's again with the, the just a year ago now, just one year anniversary went over. But they were he was there for thirteen years or something, along beside Pope Francis. And that's what everyone was asking PJ was, how do they spend time together? How much do they mix? When Pope Benedict retired, it was a huge shock because no pope had retired in six hundred years. And everyone was thinking, what will this be like? Are we going to have two popes, two heads of the Vatican, two people giving out spiritual direction? What if they're at odds? Who will people follow? Because Catholics are meant to be faithful to the Pope. So when Pope Benedict retired, he made a promise and he said, look, I'm going to stay out of the limelight. I'm going to stay within the walls of Vatican City and live a quiet life of prayer. Yeah. And he stayed true to his promise. That's yeah. what he did. He went to some, okay, he went to some events 
at the invitation of Pope Francis and they would have short, warm meetings, but he stayed out of it. Now, there are people who talk around Rome that he was not maybe in favor of some of the direction that Pope Francis was bringing the church in, some of the teachings that well, he, he was giving out. He was a far more conservative man than Francis anyway. Yeah, he was more uh, traditional, more conservative, and then Pope Francis puts an emphasis maybe on uh, being more open and a bigger outreach to, for example, the LGBT community. He puts an emphasis on the environment, whereas um, Pope Benedict would have you know, talked more about theology, the traditions of the church, talking about the beauty of the church. So they're both different popes. And uh, his, his secretary, Ganswein, did say to us recently, this was Pope Benedict's long-time secretary, that when uh, Pope Francis was talking about some of these things, that it really did break his heart, and he found it difficult to understand. Mm. He could have come out, released letters and declarations. And he didn't. Um, but he didn't. To be fair, he said he Pope didn't. Francis is the Pope, and he's in charge. What's Francis like? I know his health is bad at the moment. Are they worried about him? Yes. In a word, yes. But he's 87. So if you have a granddad who's 87... And he, you know, he suffered from, uh, back when he was only 21 in Argentina, he had bad pneumonia and he had part of one of his lungs removed. So when he gets sick, it's serious. But when you're 87... And, Everything's uh, serious, yeah. Everything is serious. And, you know, of course, when he's the Pope, the spotlight is on. So every time he goes to the hospital for something, even if it could be minor, <laughs> all the camera crews are outside, uh, you know, with bated breath, waiting on every piece of information. But... The question is, um, you know, how much longer will our Holy Father be with us? Yeah. And then could could he retire? Like Benedict started, like you said, he was the first one for hundreds of years. But could Francis retire? Good question, and that is what people are wondering. Because here's the thing, PJ. Right, if you, if the CEO of Corks ninety six FM wants to retire, he goes to the board and he hands in his letter of resignation. Fine. But if you're the Pope, what do we believe? We believe that it's not just a group of men electing him. We believe that when they go in and have the conclave, the Holy Spirit, they're praying, and the Holy Spirit is meant to be working through them. They're praying for advice and for guidance. So the Holy Spirit picks the Pope. So if you want to finish up and kind of hang up your boots, how do you hand your letter of resignation to the Holy Spirit, and how do you know if he accepts it? So a lot of people in the church thought when Pope Benedict retired – Okay, well, he said he's retired, but still, he's the Pope. He's the Pope until he's death. He's de he dies, and Pope Francis is an illegitimate Pope, to use the crudest. Yeah, I heard uh, that. I heard possible. that. Yeah, I heard that at the time. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like that phrase being used. I didn't but. like it either. But it's an interesting theological question. Like, can you? Do you have the authority, even as Pope, to resign to say I've been given the pontificate, I've been given the stone on which Jesus said, "Peter, build the church." You know, can you say, Do you, you have know, the right to resign I'm from tired, here. I'm old, yeah. I, I resign, I give up. And so, um, but Pope Francis has said, to answer your question, he's a Jesuit. So he talks in kind of sometimes ambiguous ways. One day he'll say, I don't think you should ever, I think the papacy is for life. And then the next day he can say, well, I think today I feel that tomorrow ask me and I'll give you another answer. Yeah. Well, when when it does happen, and whether he retires or passes on to his mortal rewards, I, I'm delighted and excited that I'll actually have someone to cover a conclave for me because I'm, I'm an election geek. 
and it's the most fascinating <laughs> election on the planet. So I look forward to that. But lastly, Colm, come back to where you are right now. I have a, a fellow who cuts my hair from time to time and he has people in that region and he has spent many times as he clips my hair telling me about the devastation and the destruction, but also telling me about the remarkable work being done to rebuild and rebuild rapidly. Where you are now in Turkey, scene of a terrible earthquake a year ago. How are things now? Ah, blasted. Oh, yes. Are you there? Oh, it's just dropping. We, we'll, will we see how we can. He is in Turkey where the earthquake was this time last year and we are hoping I was hoping to get a, a view from him and what's around him at the scene of where the destruction was. If not, we'll come back to him at some other stage. But uh, we'll see, try and get him back there, lad. The line, the line was messing up. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM Big Drive Home with Izzy Showbizzy so on Quartz 96FM. Join me weekdays from 4pm where I'll have giveaways that will make you go like this. Thanks so, so much and we love your show. Oh, thanks so much, girl. <laughs> and I follow you too on Instagram. <laughs> Plus we'll have the chat. I say I have you tormented but I listen to the show all day long. And I have more Oak Fire pizza vouchers up for grabs for the takeover. Join me weekdays from 4 the Big Drive Home with Izzy Show Busy. Yesterday morning we were talking about Israel and boycotting Israeli products and sending a strong message out to companies that do dealings in Israel that we're not happy with what's going on in, in Gaza, in Palestine. And I was speaking to Anne and McShane about one of the protests that was held last week at the AXA offices here in Cork. A very peaceful protest. And she spoke passionately about how she believes, for example, that because of its business dealings in Cork, she believes that AXA, people shouldn't renew their AXA insurance. That's a matter for people themselves. I'm not saying anything for or against AXA here, but that was the general tone of the conversation that I had with uh, with Anne yesterday. Uh, and, of course, it all links back in then to Eurovision and whether or not Israel should be taking part this year. And I said earlier, um, and Bambi Tug said over the weekend they felt that Israel should be uh, expelled this year, um, like Russia were in 2022 over Ukraine. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't see it happening. But, but then... You know, should we go because Israel are in the competition? And that's a, it's a discussion that takes up, I think, a lot of time over people's tables at the moment and coffee breaks and stuff like that, particularly those who are interested in the Eurovision. Olivia, you, you, we spoke to you about a petition to, to, that's right. for, for Ireland to stay out of it. You, you left yes. your AXA insurance for the very reason we've discussed. That's correct. Um, I had my house insurance with AXA and I got my renewal in December of just just gone. And I left it because I was aware that AXA have dealings in Israel. They actually invest in Israeli banks 
and heavily invest actually in hundreds of millions of investments in Israeli banks. And those banks, um, but the only the, the UN has identified that all Israeli banks are actually involved in um, illegal settlements, in funding illegal settlements in Israel. So, for instance, in the in areas of the West Bank, there would be um, if, if there and in the areas around there, there are illegal settlements where settlers terrorise in villages, terrorise the um, Palestinian inhabitants, drive them out, and they're supported by the IDF now. That that really is committing. I mean, they they've been warned. The ICJ warned this week. Um, sorry, last Friday. Justice, yeah. yeah, yeah. About about um, the that the Israeli government must stop the illegal settlements. Yet we had on Monday a meeting in um, in in Israel of a group of Israelis, including ten government ministers, planning how they're going to resettle Gaza after they've got rid of all of these Palestinians who are causing them grief. These two million people were currently um, being besieged, and it's just it's, so. Axa is directly involved in that. I mean, you you know, follow the money. And, um, but do you think that so Axa's ordinary everyday employees, the Johns yeah. and the Marys, oh, no, that go in and do, do they know her and they're not saying it no, anyway? Possibly yeah. not. Possibly they don't know that. And that's, but perhaps we need to educate them about that. I mean, we don't want to threaten the employment of anybody. But the point is, what we're trying to say to AXA, they're a big, big company. They're not dependent on their investments in Israel. They could move and divest those funds elsewhere, invest in other, in other areas of the world. I mean, banks, you know, insurance companies should, have, should be ethical. And it's like, um, you know, you're not going to invest in something that is creating horror and, and actually death for people. So, so, so when, your, when your house insurance came in, you decided no? No, I'm not going to go with them anymore. They actually, and I went with another company. I actually, I got a quote. Ironically, I mean, the quote for Baxter this year had gone up by 20%. I only had the quote, I had only been with them for a year because I had only recently moved home from the UK. And um, I didn't want to go with them. I, I thought I would even have prepared, to be honest, I'd have prepared, paid more to go somewhere else. But as it happened, I paid 100 euros less. I went elsewhere. And um, they sent me out a little brochure. They sent me out a, a survey asking me why had I done that? Because I didn't get into, I didn't take, you know, I didn't go back to them or ask yeah. them for whatever. And, um, and I put on it because of their involvement in Israel. And I would and I'd say you, it's important that you do that so that they are aware why people are leaving. Right. What, are, there, yeah. are there other companies that you're avoiding at the moment, Olivia? Well, um, the other companies I would be avoiding would be places, you know, people like McDonald's and Starbucks. I would say if you want to find out who, who are the companies to avoid, you can go on the internet, Google BDS, which is um, Boycott Divestment Sanctions, mm. and you will find a list of the companies to avoid. You can't avoid everything Israeli, but what the BDS yeah, I'm is, glad you made that point, Olivia, yeah, because it's very, it's almost impossible. Yeah. I mean, the mobile phone in your hand, the mobile phone that, that, that you're speaking to me on now, has parts in it designed, developed Possibly. in Israel. Yes. Maybe sure Possibly. of it. What, what the BDS say is what we do is I, they identify those companies that have the greatest economic um, you know, investments in Israel. And those, I mean, for, for simply, you know, if you, if AXA pulled out of the Israeli banks, because it's hundreds of millions, that is going to make an impact. 
in, in Israel. And it's going to make an impact on those banks who say, look, the reason we're being penalised is because we're investing in illegal settlements. That might stop them investing in illegal settlements. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to change the okay. situation. And would you be, would you think that if enough people, and you mentioned McDonald's and Starbucks, two very, very high profile companies with many branches, yes. for example, here in Cork City. If people stop going in to their local McDonald's, it's it's the it's the people working there will eventually lose shifts and then maybe lose what? their whole job. Hold on a second. That won't yeah. help anybody in no, Gaza if no, Johnny Sullivan no, loses his no, job. No. What you, what you what we're trying to do there is to say is get McDonald's to pull out. This happened to McDonald's in you might remember in Russia. They pulled out of Russia. And they went um, back. You know, well, maybe, but they pulled out. The point is, what we was, what McDonald's need to do is to say to their comp- the people in Israel, because McDonald's, I think, as far as I'm aware, it's franchises. So they need to take their franchise. They need to they need to say we're not going to supply those franchisees in Israel anymore. And be- and I mean that is not going to cost McDonald's a lot of money. If it's damaging their franchises worldwide, then it's not. They they'd have to get rid of their franchises. Sure, sure. But I'm place. saying, would it be fair if it came? as it might, you know how corporates work, would it be fair if it came at the loss of jobs in Douglas or jobs in Cork City Centre? Would it be fair if well, it came we, at that cost? We, do, we don't want anybody to lose their job. We do not want anybody to lose their job. We're trying to raise a profile sure. about, you know, it's you know, it's, it's the same thing with the Eurovision. I mean, I would like to congratulate Bambi Thug, who, um, who, who won the Irish Conference contest mm. they are a very talented person and you know there is and my the petition against eurovision is likewise is it's against israel's involvement it's not against individuals or mm, oh, no. artists and i do happen to notice the point that bambi made at the weekend too russian yeah. russia were kicked out quick smart in 2022 but and I, yeah. I don't see i don't there's some there's something about the israeli bond with eurovision they ain't going to be turned out I think. Uh, just, it, uh, yeah, well, I, 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 I'm still hoping, PJ, you know, I still hope that right, you know, you always hope that right will overcome in the end, but who knows? I mean, the, 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 I think if it goes ahead, it will be a, a stain on the Eurovision contest worldwide. Absolutely, a stain. Because we, ha- and we now have, I mean, even when we start, I started that petition with my colleagues in Co-Palestine Solidarity, I mean, even at that stage, we were saying genocide, but now the ICJ has backed yeah. up that there is a threat of genocide. You know? well, what's a and very strange we thing... We cannot have them. What's a very strange thing with regard, lastly, to uh, Israel and, and Eurovision is the last time they won uh, was with that song called Toy by Netta. Very strange, strange performance. But at the time, the last time that they won, things were uneasy down the road in Palestine yeah. too. You yeah, know, it's it's it's, a, yeah. it's 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 Israel and Eurovision is, is a very strange phenomenon going right back to many many years ago. Olivia, thank you very much uh, for that interesting conversation. It is interesting and it's nice to listen and and to to talk about it. Uh, it's thanks, Olivia. There's enough things going around at the moment, you know, in the world that I was talking to a very good friend of mine over the weekend, and we've been friends for a very 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 long time, and he was saying, "Isn't it fantastic? The two of us can sit here." over a point and we can fundamentally disagree on something but yet we'll have another point to be friends afterwards that kind of conversation is gone out of the world and that's why I had a good 
I enjoyed that conversation with Olivia very much. 0818-96-96-96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie. FM. Patricia says it was the government of Gaza started the conflict with a horrific attack on innocent citizens on October 7th. Israel has a right to defend itself and unfortunately because they're attacking a movement that hides among civilians there are a lot of casualties. They can't not defend though. That would be very unreasonable. I think people should listen to the global media and take all sides into account and you'll understand it is a tragedy but people tend to listen only to outlets sympathetic to Palestine. It's, it's a solid point Patricia, and one that I always try myself to listen to all different sides of this, because we do have in, in Ireland, we have a certain feeling of solidarity towards Palestine. Therefore, we tend to take a one-sided view of these things. And I try to listen to everybody. And I also try to remember that the first casualty of war is truth on all sides. And when you're listening to coverage of war and coverage of conflict, Everybody lies. It's just the truth. Just the truth. Maura says, PJ, lovely interview with Colm. I'm delighted you pointed out the work the majority of decent religious have done. My beloved 87-year-old uncle gave more than 60 years of his life to the poor and needy in Ethiopia. Yes, there were terrible crimes committed by bad apples, but the majority were wonderful, selfless people. And we will never see their likes again, says Maura. And you know, I was... A couple of weeks ago, we have a mass on, at, at, in January for my dad for his anniversary. And the priest who said mass this year was a lovely man from Down Patrick. And I got talking to him after the mass and he had spent 30 years in the Philippines. And he said to me, do you know what? He said, would you talk a little bit about the good that the church does? And, and, and I, was, I was conscious of that conversation I had with him when I was chatting with, with Colm earlier this morning. On the... Yeah, on the dating app, or in, uh, sorry, the dating page, Annette's dating page called Are We Dating the Same Guy, Cork? Is there something similar in Sydney? One guy, same guy, with two names and about 100 replies, and none of them positive. It's a women's only, Paul says, it's a women's only group. I wonder if it was a men's only group in reverse. There'd be uproar. Eh, they mightn't, they mightn't, Paul. Times have changed. 0818 96 96 96. Lastly today, another wonderful... A piece by Timothy O'Mahony. This Corkonians Abroad series that Tim does in the Echo is brilliant. He is finding people all over the world. And we love to chat to them after reading about them. And this week he's been catching up with the Wilkinses. Three sisters, Kira, Caroline and Cassie, who are all based in New York at the moment. They're originally from from Dublin Hill. I'm talking to, to Kira, Kira Wilkins. Um Kira, and thank you for getting up rather early to, to talk to me. This is where you have always wanted to live, isn't it? Morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Yeah. So I had always wanted to go to America since I was a child, um, since I was about 13. And I decided to leave in 2012. Um, Carly had already been living in Canada. Cassie had always wanted to go to Australia, so I 
Cassie had bought her tickets for Australia. She said, I'm leaving on March uh, 6th. And two days later, I came home and I went, I just bought my tickets for New York. So Caroline came home. Uh, we spent 10 days in Cork together. You kind of all arrived around the same time. There wasn't years in it, like. No. So Caroline moved like a year later, like January uh, 2013, and then Cassie moved two years later. Okay. Yeah, from Australia. You always wanted to live in New York. Why? So I started dancing when I was like two and a half. My mom put me straight into ballet. I just consumed it. I was just, it was just every part of me. So then my auntie brought me to Washington, D.C. for a confirmation present. I swear to God, I just fell in love with the lifestyle. I mean, I always laugh and like people laugh as well when I tell them this. Like the simple thing, like I don't know if you know the the gas station or the deli um seven eleven over here. Heard of it, yeah. Yeah. So seven eleven we used anytime we were going anywhere, she stopped at seven eleven for her coffee and she bought me this big cup, you know, that you could bring around with you with, to make your tea and leave home with. Like, yeah. Back in our back then that wasn't a thing really. Obviously, nowadays, everybody has their Stanley Cups and things like that. But um, that just was like something that triggered in my head. Oh, my God, this is the life. This is, And then the buffet <laughs> restaurants and things like that. So I just fell in love with it. Plus, it was also the um, the Olympics was in America that year, too. So it was all kind of like, and it was while I was there. So as a 13-year-old, you know, you kind of get like really drawn in by it. And, and since then, I had made up my mind and then... I went to dance college in Cork and graduated. And unfortunately, I wanted to go to New York then, but I, I think I just lost all courage and stayed at home and went into retail management in the in the end. Right. When you arrived in New York then? Well, my cousin, was I family here. We've uh, extended family here as well. So they were able to help us kind of getting to meet different people. Construction is like huge over here and especially in the Irish community. So I've always been into like buildings and the history of them since I was younger. And my dad has his own company as well, like carpentry company. Mm-hmm. So I was always taken into it. And then I had a lot of friends in the industry. So in the end, I just asked the guy one day who had his own company, uh, look, I'd love to try out being, doing project management. And he said, really? And he said, do you know how tough it is? And I was like, I do, but I'd like to try it anyway. So, lo and behold, he took me in, introduced me to his business partner, and I haven't looked back. And it was project management in construction, of all things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started off in masonry and concrete for foundation and superstructure, general contracting. And had you done any of this stuff ever, like concrete or building sites or anything like that? No, no. You just... A lot of people ask me over here, do you have a degree in this? Do you have a degree in that? I'm like, no, which sometimes you kind of like at the start, you feel under pressure and go like you feel fake or something from not having it, you know, but to get anywhere is all based on experience, doing the work, the practical work. You know what I mean? You can read as much books as you want, um, study them. You can get as much writing on the wall as in certificates, but 
that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to do it or that it's for you. That's you know? true. That's true. So you yeah. look for a job in project management, found yourself on a construction site, surrounded by things you'd never done anything with before. Yeah. But was it, Kira, that work hard at it and yeah. there'll be a career there for you? 100%. Mm. 100%. And I don't, I don't even think that it's just America. I think that's anywhere in the world. Do it's you? what you make. You just have to, and I probably wouldn't have been like this at home. I have to say here, because it's New York City, you have no choice but to just dip your foot in anyway. Yeah. And try it. Yeah. So, like, I really learned the attitude. So what if it doesn't work? At least you tried it. But what if it does work? You could end up loving it, you know? You work with cranes now, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Very big cranes. <laughs> I love it. I love them. So my my new boss, uh, Todd, Todd Polakoff, we were co-workers about 10 years ago. Hmm. We kind of parted ways. I went to different companies. He was at different companies. And then when I was in the demolition company, um, Alba, huge company here in New York. He started supplying cranes for the concrete side again. And I was down on site because I was in the core and shell doing the steel side of this huge project in Manhattan. And he was like, Kira, any chance you'd be into rigging? Would you like to learn some stuff about the industry? He said, I really think you can do it. Yeah. So rigging is the building of the crane, is it? No. So rigging is, there's various cranes. Like there's a crawler crane, there's mobile crane, and then you have the terror cranes, which are, the huge yellow and red different cranes that you see around New York City yeah. for buildings going up. So basically, to get those uh, erected, you'd have a, a rigging crew and a lift director. And basically, it's when the pieces of the terror crane comes in, you're basically erecting those huge terror cranes. Or when you have a mobile crane and let's say you're putting a generator on a roof, you're going to have a rigging crew on the ground and a rigging crew up top of the building. Basically, we strap things, sling them up, put them to the crane, and then bring them up to the building. This is a big change from dancing and wanting to be a professional dancer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, I, if you'd asked me at home when you turn on, oh, yeah, you're going to be in construction. I'm like, if they had said maybe helping my dad, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But I never thought I would be in New York at the age of 40, an operations manager for a... Uh, a crane and rigging company, you know what I mean? But do you, do you go just, up on them? Do you go up on the really big ones? Yeah, yeah. Like, would you be working on those, you know, you see the typical New York skyline. Would you be working on those big high, high yeah. skyscrapers yeah. like? As they're, oh yeah, well I, sometimes I have to walk those jobs. And yeah, you'd be up high, like, actually the boys, <laughs> the boys call me zero uh, in the crew because I'm obviously much smaller than them or whatever, so I'm able to get in and in and out of like hard parts on the trucks and stuff. Right. But at the night when the boys are all tired, I'm, they consider me the fastest um, to climb up the terror crane. So if an engineer or tech needs something up high, they'll send me up with whatever they need. Hang on, so you're climbing up these things with a spanner in your pocket? Yeah, spanner, could be something else. Like that, that. Lad, this is brilliant. This is brilliant, Kira. This is amazing. And what 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 do the other two sisters do? What do you, Cassie? Is it Cassie? So Cassie funny enough, um, so Cassie's the baby. She's the youngest. She came from um, Australia, and then she was in New, New Zealand for a little bit. So Cassie actually went into construction for a, a while as well. Um, 
she was first a safety manager for one company and then she went on to another Irish company, big enough Irish company, and she became an, uh, an assistant project manager. Right. A big thing about Cassie, actually, in that position, she helped do the new part of LaGuardia Airport, which was huge. It was the Delta section of yeah. LaGuardia. Yeah, so obviously being the big sister and being in it a bit longer than her, I was very proud of that. Like, I bet you were, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so now she's actually um, a benefits uh, coordinator for JT Megan, a huge, huge uh, construction company in, in the city. So that's, two of, that's two of you working in construction. This is brilliant. And the third, your third sister then, what, what's she doing? So Caroline, um, Caroline uh, has her own jewellery company. Their biggest thing is like when clients reach out and they say, oh, I'm looking for this, um, I'm looking for that. She tries to create it that is specifically for that individual client or customer. She does bespoke jewellery? Yeah. She became a metalsmith. A metalsmith? So works in a studio. It's hilarious, like, because you watch her on Instagram and her page, um, SBB, and she'll put up videos like, um, with, you know, like, speed it up or whatever and you could see curling with her mask on and a, a blowtorch like a mini blowtorch <laughs> so 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 you're up a crane one sister is building an airport and the other's using a blowtorch like <laughs> none of this was in the script when you were three small little girls running around cork it's brilliant absolutely not we were all in performing arts all of us yeah. that's fantastic is new york kira is new york home now um, yeah, it is, it is home. Like, it's only normal. You're only going to feel homesick here and there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, I know you can jump on a plane and go home or your family and friends can visit you here, but there's still things that you miss in the evenings, just running off to my best friend and having the chats and the cup of tea. You know what I mean? It's just like simple little pleasures like that you'd miss or... It's funny, when I talk to anyone at home who I would have always seen on a night out, like going to the wash or Havana Browns on a Saturday night and having the familiar faces yeah. and things like that, you know? Kira, you know, it's this This is great. The three of you started out in performing arts and like I said, you're up cranes. One sister's building an airport and the other is using a blowtorch to make her own jewellery. Like, talk about the three of you finding your niche in the most unlikely places, in, is it really the greatest city in the world? I'll tell you honestly, when I first came here, it absolutely was. And then obviously you have a time where this is terrible, I, I want to get out of here. But I have to say, I moved into the city two years ago and it has changed my whole perspective on it again. I think you fall in and out of love at, at times. You, you live know, in Manhattan now. Yeah. I live in Manhattan, yeah. So it really like... It can make you be so in love with it, but it can make you hate it too at times. And then you fall back in love with it. Like, it's like literally like a roller coaster. It's like Cork, really. so. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, you know, but I have to say that living here and my attitude towards things, like going for things, has changed completely. Like, I, I don't really hesitate now when somebody asks me to do something daring or just do it. I just do it. Good. Good. That's a great attitude. Kira. it's been a pleasure talking to you. And my best luck to you and your two sisters and to everybody else. Wonderful to catch up. Thank you so much. 
you. Thank you so much. Bye. Cheers, Kira. <laughs> what a story. What a story. I love it. I love it. That's it for today. We'll podcast that in a minute as well. Uh, program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All of the podcasts will be up shortly, and we shall talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. TheFurnitureCentre.ie Coach 96 FM. Listen. Listen. Listen to your favourite shows on the go. I could be anywhere. Download the Corks 96 FM app.